Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. All right, what was better, the Oscars or the XFL? Ooh. I mean, I watched more of the XFL than the Oscars, to tell you the truth. Did you? Yeah, because I actually knew what was going on more with the uh, XFL than the Oscars. <laughs> like, I mean, all I saw was Joker for Best Picture, and that was it. So it's hard to, like, you know, get all into it if you haven't seen half the movies that are nominated for Best Picture. You know, I take it back. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, too, was nominated. I saw that one as well. So Joker was kind of like the most popular movie that was nominated? Uh, I think that's so. Right. Yeah, like in terms of the box office, probably that one. Once upon a time, and ones might have been. Were there some animated films that were pretty popular or no? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm sure like Toy Story was popular, and oh, yeah, yeah. that that one best animated feature, but that wasn't in Best Picture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Best Picture, by the way, usually is the case where you 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 can't even you didn't even know the movies existed. Four <laughs> out of five of them, or For however sure. many they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like the worst Oscar watcher of all time. Yeah. Oscars like a, and Grammys not on high not high on my not list. A, not enough time in my hands. But at least with Grammys though, yeah, you can listen to an album in what, maybe an hour, hour twenty, you're good to go. Dude, we're talking movies that are two and a half hours of pop. Like I don't have that much time. I have a family to do, man. I have jobs to do. Like I can't can't be sitting around watching movies all day. Someone that was on the Jags won for uh best short film or yeah. something. I gotta like that. be honest with you, I don't remember that name. I think it was before my time, of course, because I was in two thousand and eight. And I think it was a practice squad guy. Practice squad and then mm-hmm. the Bengals picked him up towards the end of the season. I was, kinda, I was reading about him because okay. I was like, was he a bigger name? Was he, was he, did he play? Like, I was kind of trying to figure that out. CBS 47 and Fox 30, our news stations have covered the story a little bit, kind of leading up to the Oscars. And I heard them say last night that, like, he predicted that he would win an Oscar someday, like eight years ago. Damn. So, like, as he was getting cool. in. Good for and, him. And I think his had to do like a short animation or something that, yep. that he it was a Kickstarter. It, it ended up getting like a ton of ton of funding. Uh, I was like, it was kind of a weird story that I noticed maybe 20 minutes ago before you guys came in here. I was reading about it. So you, you know what else about the Oscars is interesting is it is like it feels global. Oh yeah. Like so many things are global now. Like music is global, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel global. Like. You know, Hollywood, you kind of know some of the names. Well, I really don't know a lot of names. but you know. Yo, you sure don't. You don't know Daniel Day-Lewis. You don't know no. anybody, but the bro. Grand, but the Oscars, like, they introduce you to people from, like, Korea and yeah. all well, over the that's place. That's what happened last night yeah. because the, the winner of the best picture uh, was Parasite, which I haven't seen yet, obviously. I, I've been meaning to see it, honestly. But it's funny going on Twitter because, you know, I mean, there's that crowd out there. It's like, oh, it, it's all subtitles. Like, I don't want to read a movie. Yeah. You know, how does one best picture? It's like. I mean, if you can read a book, I think Kung you're going to be okay. Have you watched I have, Kung Pao? I have watched Kung Pao. Come on, Kung Pao read. and Kung Fu Hustle? Come on, man. <laughs> Love those movies. Uh, best part of the Oscars, my man performed. Who's that? Did you see that? You didn't see that part. I, I guess I didn't see it. Eminem on stage. Woods? Oh, Eminem. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I did see that part. I, I forgot he's your dude, but yeah, that was cool. Uh, has that always been the Oscars? Do they have more performances now that they're trying to make it a little bit more of a, a show? That yeah, way, kind of I mean, break up the monotony of the... For sure. Of the announcements of so, the winners? like, what they did, if you noticed, if you watched it, so usually in the Oscars, like, for every single nomination of, like, every single category, they'll play, like, a preview of the clip, right? So, like, each movie's got the clip of, like, you know, best, uh, 
with, let's say, Best Actress or whatever. Then they'll play a clip of the movie. Well, they only did that, I believe, for Best Feature Film. And uh, everybody else, they, they didn't play the clips at all. So it actually saved a lot of time when you think about it because there's a lot of categories. So I think they used that time to try to fill in more music and more just kind of comedy stuff, which is cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, move it along, in other words. Yeah, exactly. what you're trying Wrap to tell Wrap it me. up. Yep. I haven't had a chance to look at this yet, but I'm going to tell you right now, the ratings for the Oscars. This is breaking right here live on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 because this is what we do. <laughs> we talk about the Oscars. Here Bunch on of this ratings show. junkies. Let's see what we got. Uh, we have the Oscars did well in Jacksonville, I would say, an 11.6 rating, 20 share. That's pretty good. I would say it's pretty normal, too. Yeah. Grammys and Oscars, and it comes on a great weekend. There's really not a lot going on. For sure. It was a light weekend. It was a nice weekend. Yeah. Light weekend, beautiful weather. A little, uh, a little baseball season underway. How how did that go? How, oh, how's fantastic. time looking? Is, 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 it's time in mid-season form already. Oh, already, yeah. Oh yeah, like you yeah. never missed a beat. Unbelievable. <laughs> I like um, it. I like that too. We got a fist pump already in 2020. We count the fist pumps. I like it. So we're off to a good start there. But speaking of ratings, XFL is off to a good start. Yes, they are. I, I told you on Friday I had no interest, zero. Yep. And I wasn't lying. Yeah. I'm being honest. I had zero interest. Well. We're down the Orlando area for this tournament, so on Saturday afternoon, Ty was flip on the TV and he watched. We were watching like the last ten minutes of I think the Seattle game, uh, last ten minutes before halftime, and I was intrigued. Are you talking man. about the Seattle Dragons versus the DC Defenders? Yeah, I don't know you everybody's name it. yet. You're but. all good, man. <laughs> no, yeah, you're all good, but it takes time, man. It takes time. I understand, but I don't know if I was fascinated with the XFL because. It was new, it was football, it was, hey, let me see if I know any of these guys, or if it was, holy cow, this is like a different game, and I want to learn all the rules sure, and see how it's done, and I thought that was kind of an interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I Sometimes I'm, I'm of the camp, like, I think those things can be very gimmicky when they change rules, but it was almost like they've changed so many rules, and it looks so different than watching the NFL in college because of the interviews right after a score or an interception or a missed kick or just the way they present it, that I thought the whole combination of it was pretty interesting. I don't know if I'll feel that. Like, I didn't tune in Sunday. We were, yeah. we're at the ball field, and I don't know if I'll go back. But I think casually I might be okay watching some of this. Yeah. And the ratings were good. Ratings did well. What I caution about the ratings on the XFL is the AAF did really well in the first weekend, too. That's they correct. were promised, promising. Now, XFL ratings were higher than the AAF ratings. There's And another thing that's different is the backing and the dollars in the XFL seem to be deeper than the AAF. So mm-hmm. I don't think they'll run into that problem. So if they can get through this first year, we'll see what happens uh, with this whole project with the XFL. I thought overall successful weekend for the XFL. People were talking about it. Came on a great weekend again. Not much going on, mm-hmm. and we got a little football fix in a different way. Yeah, I'll be honest. I mean, I was almost making fun of the fact that I was going to watch every single game, you know, and give the in-depth analysis. But truth be told, I did watch um, parts of every single game. And you got to get a life. What, what kind of? Okay, Brent sounds good. Uh, I'm just trying to do my job here, man. But anyways, what really hooked me was obviously the difference between the XFL and the NFL. What really stood out to me was a couple things. Number one was the access. And to me, I was watching the access for in a funny way, I guess you would describe it, because your your first F bomb got dropped about ten minutes into the game. You know, when when this dude's so coming I, off I the field. I saw that on social media, but did did they not delay it? See, or did not catch it? 
so the, when I was watching it on, it was delayed. Like, I mean, like the, the, they caught it, but like oh, I was they did catch it. Well, but I was watching some like people were tweeting the video and it said that they didn't catch it. So oh. I don't know what was going huh. on. Yeah, so I'm not sure what happened there. But there was an F bomb. SEC violation. There was an F bomb. Um, and that's the, really the intriguing part, and that's why I'm probably going to keep on watching here and there. Just <laughs> want more no, not from the app bombs, but here's the problem, Brent. Okay, like this was the very first game of the season, you know, and you have the all access, and like all the fans are praising. Wow, we get, we got to go in the locker room a little bit, see what locker rooms are like. We got to see like right after a touchdown, um, you know, what the play was and the player talking about what what transpired, and then a field a kicker misses a field goal, and they interview him yeah. right after it. And that's, that's all hunky dory. Okay, but here's the problem though. That's all hunky dory week one, right? It's it's new. Um, it's refreshing even to the players. Wait till it's like week six, week seven, and the Seattle Dragons haven't won a game yet, and there's frustration happening on the team. Then see what happens in the locker room, right? Then yeah. see what happens on yeah. the sidelines because like that's what I'm gonna tune in for. I, I'm gonna tune in for the meltdowns because it's bound to happen. Like I was chuckling to myself, man, <laughs> when they went to, like to locker rooms at halftime. And, you know, like the coaches are talking and everything. I'm like, like no, no. Like, they, they understood there's cameras in the locker room. There's reporters in the locker room because that's not how football locker rooms are. <laughs> I, and I'm being serious, man. I don't care if it's week one or not. There's cussing. You know, the, the, there's players going back and forth, especially if you're losing. There's fingers being pointed a little bit. Like, that's an NFL locker room, man. And you would have spot, like, that first game in the locker room when they had the cameras in there. They're at church or something. You know what I'm saying? They're on their best behavior. Well, it's interesting, and we're going to come back. We'll talk a little bit more about it because I had some questions. First of all, as viewers, what do we want? Because mm. isn't there something nice about that? At least week one, you might be right. That might wear off. But there's a sense of entitlement with NFL guys. Let's just talk about just football. NFL guys like, I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that. I'm making million. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like. You're lucky you're getting an interview with me. There is a little sense of that, especially with the stars, and it would be on the field like that. Well, these guys are a little different. They appreciate the opportunity right now. Mm-hmm. They're getting another crack at it. They're not playing football in 2020 without the XFL, most likely, or is a decent chance, at least 90% of them. So they pretty much will sign up for anything. And do we like that, that kind of authenticity a little bit about it, where there doesn't feel like there's a barrier, mm-hmm. where Richard Sherman or whoever else isn't, better than us yeah you know because there is that feeling a little bit with the nfl we kind of even the nba you get like the token coach interviews which i'm not even a huge fan of but how much do we need that how much is better for it will we learn more about the game will it be valuable to our experience or is it just different you know i wonder about that with the xfl and does that kind of help complement what is nowhere near an nfl product yeah right in terms of its quality but because you have football, because you have decent football and some names we know, and then you have that kind of access as a viewer and the ability to maybe learn a little bit more about the game like you haven't and see the game like you haven't seen it before. If you put all of that together, does it mean successful product? So so here's the problem with that and, and here's my counter to that. On paper it sounds fantastic, right? All access, talk to the players, everything looks great. But you brought up Richard Sherman as a, as a prime example. People wanted the all-access. So you got the all-access. You saw Richard Sherman after a football game go absolutely off on Aaron Andrews. And not like yell at Herb. I'm just saying you yell, yell at the entire world, basically, because yeah, yeah. he was fired up based on a football game. And I think a lot of the public, a lot of the, you know, the, the football fandom people that weren't Seahawks fans kind of took that as, as an offense a little bit, right? And they had a problem with it. Even to the standpoint of, I remember, like, 
the next couple seasons when I was in Chicago, they had to send an NFL media person in to talk to us about how to do interviews and what happens like when the cameras come in. And I'll never forget this. And I'm not trying to expel any beans here, but Lance Briggs got up and was like, hey, if you want all access, you're getting all access, but we're not going to change who we are. Good okay, that, that, That's not our job. Our job is to play football. If you all want to see us in the locker room, if you all want to see us after the game, we're going to be ourselves. I'll never forget what Lance Briggs said there, but he makes a solid point where if people want the all access, well, then get ready for the all access yeah. and don't get offended when it doesn't go your way. Do you want the all access? Yeah. Did you like the XFL? Jump in 904-362-9901 or hit us up on social media as well. Star Star 690, the easiest way to get in. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it when we come back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. In the end, the D.C. Defenders win the first ever XFL game 31-19. to Simply amazing. An afternoon filled with fun and football. I already can't wait for next week. I'm fired up. Let's go. Give me more. Your passion bucket was waiting to be filled up with more football. Here you have. All right, settle your, down, Steve. That's <laughs> simply amazing. I mean, that's good. Listen, the most overused word in sports is great. I've told you that yeah. before, right? Yeah. Well, simply amazing in that context might be too. I mean, we just saw a Super Bowl last week that I don't think anybody referred to as simply amazing. <laughs> passion buckets getting filled, Brad. <laughs> that's, that's all right. right. I, that's Come fair. along with passion us. Passion cup of coffee. Like, it's a yeah. small, it doesn't yeah. need to be a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of coffee, here's how bad I am today, okay? Like, oh. I'm, I'm making good time coming in today. Sure. Right? I'm trying to get in and get, get some stuff done. I got, got combined a couple. We're trying to book some stuff. It feels like life has finally slowed down now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, after the London stuff of last week. Mom was in town this weekend, which was great. Yeah. But, uh, so she's headed back home, and, and now things kind of settle down. So, anyway, I get, I'm trying to get in early. Stop by Starbucks. I get one for now and one for later mm-hmm. right here. Because you're addicted. Because I've got a problem. Yes, you do. Um, and I did wake up at like 4 in the morning to bring mom to the airport. So, to the, uh, uh, so I'm a little low. <laughs> Might have to take an Uber next time. Should have called Austin. Got an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> they called me. But um, so anyway, I try it. And you never know. Like uh, Starbucks is really good. Like mm-hmm. it's usually pretty consistent. But I always ask for hazelnut in it, mm-hmm. and I can tell I'm like they didn't put enough hazelnut in it. They didn't. Or they didn't. But I'm like I'm not oh, getting through. I'm not getting go. through the next three four hours without yeah. a little taste of that sweet sugar. Sure. So and did you go back in then? No, no. I went oh. to a different one. <laughs> <laughs> so so essentially, you you took two L's in that conversation. I did. Come on, why don't you go back in? Let them know I'm the one I didn't, No, I didn't oh. try it. So, like, oh, I was you, already up the road. You you got to try it as soon as you get it, Yeah, Brad. I don't Come on, I trust them. See, right. I'm the kind that, of person that mistake. even if something's wrong, I won't tell them. Like, I will take it. I, it usually, I'm home. that way, too. But I'm like, listen, I've had, I was out of, like, uh, creamer at home, mm-hmm. so I didn't make as much coffee as I usually do. I woke up at 4, and so I'm down, I'm yep. low, yep. all right? Yep. The coffee meter is low. <laughs> And so I'm like, I'm need. I don't need, but I want these coffees. No, and he, I, he needs them. He's addicted. And there's a big difference between regular coffee or if you put a little of that sweet sugar yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. And so I need. Uh, I was like, I'm gonna have a good afternoon, yeah. even if it cost me another trip into. Oh. But it, I, I'm with you, Kuz. That's very unlike me. I usually yeah. just be like, yeah, whatever. Well, no, I'll I, suck it up. And, I'll do it with everything. Like I, I went to. I obviously had a wedding this weekend, so I went to the cleaners, and I've never gotten a hat cleaned before. But apparently, you can do that. You can. Wait, so you get a hat? 
Well, I had like a, a baseball not, not for cap. The, yeah, like a baseball cap that oh. just needed to be cleaned, but okay. it had a it had leather on it. So I asked them, I was like, "Can you clean this?" And they said, "Yeah." And then when when I went back, they put it through some heat, so that leather like shrinky dinked on it. <laughs> oh no! And she's like, "Oh, is the hat looking great?" And I looked at it in my head. I'm like, "This thing is destroyed. I need a new one." I looked at her and I said, "Yeah, it's great." And yeah, I walked out. I'm that yeah. guy too. Ordered a new hat. I'm that guy too. Hey, you, I can't believe you dry cleaned your hat. That they to- I was told you can do that. I have never heard of that. I've never heard of that either. I, I mean, I used, you do that. somebody lied to you, man. Are you yeah. guys uh, like too young, or do they still have this stuff where you used to be able to? There was this contraption that you would put your hat in and oh. put it in the dishwasher. Oh, oh no, no, I've, no! I've I seen thought you were talking about like the Did perfect curve or whatever. I'm pretty sure it's like you put it in <laughs> the, the dishwasher. Perfect curve? <laughs> Dude, it was like twenty bucks. Oh at, yeah, I know what you're talking <laughs> about. Twenty bucks at champs and <laughs> but, <laughs> the athletes. I might be talking out of my mind right now, but I'm pretty sure there was like this contraption, like a little basket thing you put your cap in, but even and that? you could wash it in the dishwasher. I'm pretty sure, yeah. unless you'd stick, you you wouldn't put it in the in the washer washer, but I think you put it in the dishwasher. And yeah, that's what I Maybe I'm out of my mind. Tell me if I am, but I'm pretty sure. There was that contraption uh, as a kid. Uh, the original cap washer, baseball hat cleaner, cage curve shaper. This thing? Yes. Could you put it in <laughs> the dishwasher? Is, Does it go in the I dishwasher? I don't know. I've never seen it. What year is this from? Well, like, but like, do you have to do it separate? Because I'm not. I don't want like pieces of food hitting. Wow. Well, like, yeah. This is like cap. this is like from like medieval times. This is like <laughs> the Iron Maiden or something. You're putting your hat in here. <laughs> I think I'm right on that. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm misremembering like Roger Clemens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, XFL. Yeah. We're talking about it in the break. See, this mm-hmm. is fun. The the fun thing about the XFL, there's so many different ways to hit on it. And, and I'm curious about the presentation and how much that means to people. Right? I'm in the pre- we're in the presentation business, whether it's on radio or TV or wherever. Yeah. I mean, presentation means something, but I don't know if that's just a an in the business thing. And I'm I've kind of felt like I'm in the business since I was 12 years old, so I've always been interested in that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how much a fan is. Well, obviously, to a degree, fans want access. You know, that changes the experience for you. What else changed the experience, and you brought up a great point, is the betting. Yeah. And ESPN went all in with the betting. I mean, they even put the the spread on the scoreboard, the over-under. And I think Fox put the spread, but not the over-under, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, yeah. You you can definitely tell that ESPN was more of the the pro gambling as opposed to Fox. Well, they they have the Daily Wager show, Doug Kazir, and we caught up with them at Super Bowl. And by the way, it's a brilliant idea. Mm -hmm. Listen, uh, this is like, nobody wants to fully admit this in sports, but betting drives sports. Yeah. Like, drives it. It, 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 like not even to the I'm not even sure like people right now I'm like yeah no kidding Brett no kidding no I don't even think people understand how much it drives sports and we're not just talking about football we're talking about all sports mm-hmm. and it, it's fascinating right now and the sports that have not been bet on are trying to take advantage of getting bet on because they know there's so much more not only money I think involved but interest involved and when there's interest involved there's ratings involved there's money involved yep. so it's fascinating but a great idea by the XFL to encourage the betting part of it so much so I'm almost wondering if our our show could maybe hit new heights if we just encouraged in-show betting I like that on what like words we say or I something I like that I like that a lot Could we do that Oh man I mean we might be onto something there Yeah How many like, times does Brent say um how, how many under. times does Austin get emotional over Kuz's comments? Like, you know, how many times did TJ McConnell get brought up like in the show? Like, early in the show, I, I like would have said, how many times does Austin say whatnot? 
Like today? No. Oh, like early on. Oh, early on. Yeah. yeah. But hey, I, I kind of I tried to nip it in the bud a little did. bit, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. I tried it's, to. It's been, it shows you're coachable. I know. I'm very because <laughs> I haven't heard you say it since. I, I, I'm trying to be coachable. What can I say, man? <laughs> um, I, I like that, Brent. That's not a bad idea. Would it would it come across like if we did in show betting here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN six ninety? If it would be like. Could you rig that some way? You, Does it sound you like definitely it would be rigged? Rigged. Our families wouldn't have to participate in it, obviously. They'd have to, you know, mind that. I think from the standpoint of the people that we would attract, though, I'm not sure if those are the type of people we want listening to our show or interacting with us. I, I don't care what kind of hey, people are listening Brent, to the show. Anybody that bets on a radio show, to be fair, might have a little issue. Just saying. Well... And I'm the last person to judge anybody, yeah. okay? I'm, I'm a degenerate myself. I didn't bet any <laughs> XFL games. I thought, hey, I thought about it, especially after the first one. I'm like, oh, these are going to be high-scoring games. Let me go get some money on that Tampa Bay Vipers game. Didn't do it, though. Didn't bet anything. But I'm saying people I want to bet on radio shows, Brent, probably not the people who want to listen to the I, show. I, I don't know. I'll take them all, baby. I'll take them all. I'll take you. Uh, <laughs> and just remember, and if you're worried about, like, the fixes in, I mean, horse racing, jockeys can bet, like, on the race before they get on the horse. Fighters can bet on themselves all the time. They can? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah. 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 Floyd Mayweather bets like, you know, millions and millions of, of dollars. and doesn't do anything in, that's except the millions. Yes, exactly. Uh, but, all right, so how much will the betting part of this keep people in touch with it? Because, well, let's just be honest, whether you want to call them degenerates or not, people yeah. like to gamble. No, for sure. So... I, I think that's a huge aspect, and then the other part is the access, right? Simple as that. Yeah, so from the betting standpoint, the reason I didn't, I mean, I, uh, to be fair, I don't really bet a lot, and I, I wouldn't bet on the XFL just because it's new to me, right? Like, all the players, the coaches and everything, like, I, I don't know how they operate. So, I mean, I get it would be fun to bet the over because both these teams are, are new, and, and maybe you would think that the defense would struggle a little bit. I would try to think of the other side of the ball where it's like, well, if they're new teams going at each other, I think the defense would have the advantage. That wasn't really the case, especially the first um, couple games on Saturday, Sunday. There were more lower-scoring affairs. But... I think if teams, or if, I'm sorry, if betters keep getting accustomed to these teams and they keep seeing them, they keep seeing the players, then yeah, I think there is something to be said for, for laying down some bets, you know, and especially if you have the games on ESPN, which are going to encourage it, you know, we're yeah. gonna, which are really, it's going to be in the conversation during the game, then why not? Smart move, smart move. The other side is presentation. Josh, by the way, says, I was intrigued by the XFL games. I think my two biggest pros are kickoffs or actual plays again. Yeah. Interesting, right? And listening in on play calling is very immersive. So the listening and on play calling, the replay thing was similar in my sense to the AAF, what they were trying to do. But there might be different. Again, I didn't watch a lot of it. So maybe there were some subtleties yeah. that were different and maybe better in some people's minds. I thought the listening in on calls. But again, I think that was an AAF thing, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, for, for the most part. But I mean, I think this is more exclusive, though, because like to, to me, like you could hear the quarterback, but you could also hear the coach as well. OK, so. Oh, before you, you could just hear yeah. the quarterback. I, I think that's how the AAF worked. It, it, and then go ahead, Cruz. Well, my my question because I didn't get to see it, but my worry is is this you know being so in on everything, hearing the coaches, hearing that, is there a worry that there'll be a situation like with baseball and being able to see the pitches and kind of like are we worried that could be a potential thing? It's a good question. I think for right now the stakes aren't high enough. Yeah, you know what I mean. So if they brought it to the NFL, yeah. I think that worry would be legit. And it's the most paranoid league there is anyway, mm -hmm. is the NFL. I yeah. mean, they are paranoid I mean, about it. They think they're reinventing the wheel on every snap. Well, let's be honest, so. Brendan. This is the NFL where the New England Patriots were in the, the Cincinnati press box taking pictures <laughs> yeah. of the sidelines. And, and fans were freaking out about it. And the NFL um, had things to say about it. So, yeah, cool. So to go with your point, I mean, obviously, 
you couldn't have the coaches calling out the plays and then being on TV for everybody here because that's that could be an advantage for the other teams going forward. Yeah, I think I I think this feels like it's still entertainment more than this sounds bad to say, but I feel like it's more entertainment than stakes on win winning and losing. At least from my view of it right now, I'm sure they feel differently, mm-hmm. but uh, that's the way I feel. Kuz, what did uh, our person watching on twitch say might be the only person on twitch yeah they uh they said the xfl did a great job this weekend i think the transparency parency was my favorite part by the way espn 690 jacks on twitch check us there out follow along uh show every day monday through friday 3 p.m until 6 p.m on twitch one other part about the presentation at least for now is people love the interviews right after you brought to right mm-hmm. so i mean the guy's out of <laughs> yeah got a breath and he's trying to answer a question <laughs> yeah for sure what was fascinating to me about that part is that idea could easily be done in the NFL. Now, the NFL doesn't need to do it. Mm, yeah, they don't no, need but to. but it could be because there is downtime. Like, listen, quarterback goes over, he looks at a couple of things on the iPad now, used to be pictures, and then they go put a ball cap on. Yeah. You know, sure, Peyton Manning, he sits there the whole time that he's not, that the defense is out there. But, what, I mean, most time people are catching their breath. For sure. Could you... I'm just saying in theory. I'm not saying the NFL will do it, should be open to it. It's not going to happen in the NFL. But it's actually an interesting idea because there is a bit of catch-your-breath time when the offense comes off the field or the defense comes off the field. So if there is a play that's worth visiting a player on, yeah. it's almost like a little bit – sometimes you see a, a sense of that in preseason games. Mm-hmm. But I think that's kind of cool. I mean, in game, and by the way, it can be one question. It doesn't need to be a series of questions. Maybe one question right down there. But again, uh, it's not going to happen in the NFL. I'm just saying it could be done in football because of the lapse of time uh, in the NFL college football if you wanted to do it and open up the game even more someday down the road if they need the help of doing that. I think it would actually be a great idea. But once again, it comes to the question of is it too much much. access, right? Because, listen, I've been in four or five NFL meetings regarding the media. You know, and when the NFL, you know, PA person puts on that film and it's like, all right, how to talk to the media, how to handle the media, the very first thing they say is when you come in after the field, and you're in the locker room, take t- take your time, take a breath, and gather your thoughts, okay? So that's like what they preach in every single NFL media video. Well, the problem... It's like before you tweet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but the problem with that is, is when players are coming off the field, you don't have time to decompress. You don't have time to gather your thoughts. It's just you're, you're in the moment. And football is a very emotional game, right? So I just tried to take somebody's head off. Exactly. Yes. So I think from the standpoint of positive plays, like if you score a touchdown, well, yeah, by all means, guys are going to be happy celebrating but i would ask that they pump the brakes on guys that make mistakes or that you know kind of get embarrassed a little bit like for instance if you would have interviewed me after drew Brees shucked me out on my ankles on, on that bootleg and i got embarrassed in front of you know the entire jaguar stadium and i'm coming to the sidelines you put a and you're on the sidelines with a microphone I would have told you to get out of my face, man. Yeah. I ain't trying to talk to you Probably right now. Probably get the F out of my face. Probably, and you yeah. might have strangled me. Exactly. So, chokehold. Uh, so, We're naked chokehold. Uh, so I think with everything's within reason. But once again, you kind of have to gradually get up to that point, I think, especially focus on the positive place. Keep in mind, though, that raw authentication. The one thing about, you know, you mentioned Richard Sherman earlier. That Richard Sherman deal made his brand 
boom, skyrocket. Yeah. To me, like that was pre-calculated, the whole Richard Sherman thing. Like mm-hmm. he knew what he was doing. Yeah. You know, he knew that was a coming out party and could do what it did. Now, did he know it would get as big as it did? All that stuff? I don't know. But he knew what he was doing. He's a smart guy. Well, and, so, to, be, and to be fair, I think even before him, it was uh, Bart Scott. Can't wait. Remember when yes. he was like... Way to have her back, Tom Johnson or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. What's up, Keyshawn? And then he said, "I can't wait." Like that was that was a big moment for him as well. It was, and yeah. so I think it's a give and take right there. Do you want it as raw as it might be, but also the polarizing effect of that mm-hmm. helps players' brands out. Oh, it absolutely the does, because all the cameras are on them. I, I absolutely agree. Well, I mean, Richard Sherman only, people talked about him for the next three weeks out of that one yeah, interview, right? My only, you know, my only statement here, Brent, is the fact that, yes, people did love the Richard Sherman and increasing his brand, but there was a majority of people that didn't like that, though, either. They, they, they thought he was it was unwarranted, and they thought, like, you know, he was an animal. People called him, like, give me a break. Yeah. It's, it's football. But in today's world, that back and forth, people that think – and at least they're talking about you, right? Yeah. Are talking about you, and it's king. True. I mean, that's true. that's what balloons you. I mean, Richard Sherman would, without that interview, Richard Sherman in the football circles would be still a great player. Yeah. But would he be a household name? I would say absolutely not. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm talking household name, no, no, not just no, football I, people. I understand, man. Um, you know, at the time, I think that was the is that the game to go to the Super Bowl. I want to say the, it was. Uh, Ah, shoot, I can't remember. Okay, yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, um, whatever it was. So, like, I think eventually his brand would have caught up because he is a smart dude, and he at the time was probably the best corner in the NFL. So, I think eventually the brand would have caught up to him, but you can't deny that that helped him out immensely. Absolutely. All right. Hey, I can't do three segments to start the show on the XFL, so we'll revisit it. But I've got another topic on the XFL, and my uh, a thought I have, and it has to do with Vince McMahon, Mm -hmm. and so uh, that's coming up a little bit later. But let's talk a little Jags couple of topics today on the Jags, and we're leaving the London story aside. Mm-hmm. The, the weekend made us feel a little bit better about that, at least, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know about yeah. feel better, but at least it put it down for a couple <laughs> of days. Let's just say that. Yeah, there's not any more headlines coming out. You brought up an interesting thought today as we were texting back and forth. Or maybe it was Coos. Sorry. Whoever gets credit. Whoever wants it. But when do the Jags need to make quarterback decision? That was me. Yes. Good, Sorry, Coos. Good job. Sorry. <laughs> uh, when do they need to do it? And from your point of view, you can speak better than all of us. Sure. Because I, for a long time, have thought that was a little overrated mm. at naming a QB. Yet there are some big believers in saying, hey, this is my team, um, and I want to follow that guy. And so for some teams, that's an important thing. For some people, there's a belief that's an important thing. Uh, what will the Jags do in that regard, and how important is the timeline? in that decision. Let's go there. Gardner Minshew, Nick Foles, uh, coming up. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Welcome back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos here on a uh, Monday edition. It's Daytona 500 week. We'll be down at the uh, 500 on uh, Wednesday for Media Day. I'll be down there Sunday as well for TV all day long. CBS 47, Fox 30. We have extended TV coverage. Big day. Listen, NASCAR as a whole, it's not a sweet spot for for us that we talk about week in, week out. But it's a huge deal this weekend in the sport and in the area. I mean, what it brings. It's still a big deal, the Daytona 500. And what everybody loves to do is say, it's not what it used to be. Well, it probably isn't. 
you know what? I still love baseball, and I think baseball does really well, and baseball isn't what it used to be. Mm-hmm. So um, not in this area necessarily, but this is a big deal in this area. It's a big deal in the sport of racing, and I have always said this, and shame on us for a little bit, and I'm responsible for a little bit of this. I do think at times we underserve the NASCAR community, uh, mainly on TV, because our numbers are good in Jacksonville. Like, our ratings are good We have for the races and stuff. Uh, and, and actually, Stuart Weber does a great job of it on Saturdays and Sundays, Sunday nights during the season. He kind of keeps people uh, in tune with it. So if you like it, uh, we try to give it to you a little bit on uh, Action Sports Jacks primetime on CBS 47 and Fox 30 Saturdays and Sundays. But this week, uh, it'll be a big deal. It's a big event. You know, it's pretty cool. Uh, I think it's one of the cool parts of being here in this area is you get the Players' Championship, right? You get all the football that we do, uh, college and NFL. But you get the Daytona 500. Mm-hmm. And as a very... Very lukewarm, casual NASCAR fan for mm-hmm. me. I enjoy this week a lot. I think it's a lot of fun covering a big event and, and getting down there and seeing it happen. Well, the dude that we had on our show, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., see, he has the pole position. Nice shot. So there you go. Way to pay attention. That's, what, that's, that's called what, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Good karma. Exactly. Clint Boyer we came on it. Yep. and the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Enough said, man. I think Clint Boyer what might win the want? Daytona 500 now. Or or Stenhouse, I mean, is Stenhouse going to win it, though, too? Not really, because here's the deal. What do you mean, not really? I just think the pole position at the 500 is about as, it it just kind of feels, now, it's a big deal because it's a Daytona 500, you're on the pole, you're on the front row. It means you have a fast car. And somebody else can tell me if I'm I'm wrong on this, but my experience covering this race, the front row at the 500, it doesn't mean that much uh, in terms of winning the race. Uh, And a lot of places it does, being out front. This one? It just feels like you you better drive well, have a good plan, and get a little lucky. Yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> and stay away from some big-time crashes. For sure. But uh, So anyway, we'll talk a little bit uh, about the 500 as the week continues. A little more XFL in a bit. Uh, John Jones fought this week, and I want your thoughts on that. Because I heard Ooh. there was a sense. <laughs> I want to get your take. In fact, some, I forget who I was talking to. Ah, shoot, I forget. Oh, I know. It was uh, one of uh, Ty's coaches, uh, Coach Greg. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, ah, I wonder what Austin will think about that fight. Yeah. Because he watched it. I didn't watch it. I watched some of the uh, prelims, Okay, but then didn't get the pay-per-view. Yeah, they really tease you in that. Oh, yeah, of course, I mean, man. I'm they watching keep, the prelims. They keep and piling they, on. That's the point. And then all of a sudden, when the big one comes on, Later. it's like, yeah. now we're showing, uh, you know, <laughs> some chess match. Sure, exactly. <laughs> yep. No, I hear you, man. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, we'll talk a little bit about that coming up. But let's talk about the Jacks. Gardner Minshew, Nick Foles. It is the belief of this show. It's like we're running for politics here, and we're going to like our. our <laughs> we are endorsing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gardner Minshew. Yes. Um, it is the belief. For, you've had the belief for a long time that they should roll with Gardner Minshew anyway. Yep. Mine is not. Uh, uh, I, I do think they should. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm coming from. I think in 2020, for this franchise, for this football team, take away the. The pros and cons of both quarterbacks and everything else. They need to find out in 2020 if Gardner Minshew is something special because he warranted that. Again, I don't know if what Nick Foles did in two and a half games versus what Gardner Minshew did in his 12 games, essentially. I should say four games for Foles, but it didn't feel like that. Uh mm-hmm. Like if you break down the tapes and you watch them in practices, what those guys all do, and if you if you watch in trend, I don't know who deserves or earned the opportunity or didn't earn the opportunity. 
I just think for above all, you can we can debate on that. They can tell us about that. I believe for the sake of this franchise, they need to find out if they have something special in Gardner Minshew in 2020 because you really still don't know. And, mm. and we don't. The jury is out. We like what we saw. There's a lot of fun in there. There's a lot of good play. And there is also some question marks in there. And that is fair. But I think we need to find out where I think we the hope was we knew what we were going to get with Nick Foles. That was derailed by injury. I thought it was derailed by a bad game plan against Indianapolis. And we just maybe he just didn't respond well to injury or maybe he's just really not that good. We don't know. But I still think even with all that money and should Foles get another crack at it, you know, blah, blah, blah. The bottom line for this organization in 2020, maybe even bigger than wins and losses, quite frankly, in the long run is to find out if that guy's something special or if you have to reset the quarterback position in 2021. And they need to leave this calendar year knowing that answer by -hmm. December, January, whatever it might be. And hopefully the answer is, this is our guy. Mm -hmm. But they need to know if the answer is, "Uh -uh, we need to go get the best quarterback in 2021 or the second best quarterback, depending on where they're drafted. You know, it's it's so amazing to me because we talk about – how Nick Foles didn't have a big sample size last season. And I would agree with you on that. And I understand that the quarterback, it's a double standard position. Absolutely no doubt about it. But you want to talk about a performance-based business and a business where if a player doesn't play well, he gets benched, a younger guy comes in to take his spot and doesn't show signs of, you know, getting pulled himself, well, that player doesn't get his spot back. You know, it happens at defensive end. It happens at linebacker. It happens at receiver. It happens at every single position in the NFL. Kicker, punter, lineman, you name it, it happens. But for whatever reason, the quarterback position where when the young guy comes in and shows, listen, this guy could be special, he's capable, well, all of a sudden we're talking about having a camp battle now, right? Where we're talking about, well, let's see what Foles has coming down the road because he's earned that opportunity. Really? Because... Back when I played, man, if I got benched for a younger guy in defensive end, I didn't run another opportunity to be like, well, you know what, Austin Lane, he, he, he's got tenure in the NFL, he's got experience. No, that's it, it, not how it works. If the younger guy comes in and outperforms you, more than likely the younger guy is going to be the dude going forward. Now, yes, there's obviously special cases every once in a while, um, but for the most part, that, that's how it works. So from the standpoint of, and here's the major question, is do you announce a starter right now? Where you at with the Jacksonville Jaguars? Do you not to start it right now, or do you go through spring ball? Do you go through training camp, and then when it's game, you know, when it's like week one of the regular season, do you announce your starter? And I think that is definitely the wrong way to go about things. And listen, I've been a Gardner Minshew supporter since day one. All right, I mean, my my track record's pretty clear. Where I never wanted him to get benched, regardless. I thought Minshew was the guy going forward, even after that Houston game. I understood the decision to start Foles again because. Doug Marone was fighting for his job, and at the time they thought Bowles gave him the best uh, chance of winning ball games. Well, that wasn't true. So, where I sit on the, on this, you know, the standpoint, Brent, is the fact that you have a new offensive coordinator now and Jay Gruden coming in. Okay, immediately you're behind the eight ball because new system, new terminology, um, you know, new routes for the receivers to run, all this stuff. So right from the get go, it's Install, install, install. Okay, so you're behind the eight ball from that standpoint. The last thing I would want to do is if I'm Jay Gruden, would be come to Jacksonville and have to sift out who's going to be my starting quarterback. I should know this already because then I can tailor my offense 
around them. We we saw it with John D. Filippo a little bit. You know, we saw when Gardner Minshew came in for Foles, all of a sudden the offense had a little more, you know, these jet motions and all these kind of interesting, you know, uh, plays where the quarterback would roll out a little bit. For whatever reason, Nick Foles didn't have those types of plays. So from my standpoint, I want Gruden to come in and be like, all right, this is our guy going forward. I'm going to adapt the offense around him, and let's see what we got. A couple of things about what you just said. One, I think the fact that Foles has earned whatever opportunity is twofold here. And one is funny because it's ironic in a sport that's violent and cutthroat and everything else. There is a sentimental value to the sport at times, too. Get to that in a moment. But the first part is he's earned it because he's making $88 million. (laughs) That's why he's earned a look. You know, that's why you can't just say write it off because everybody is so afraid of the optics of a $20 million backup. They really are. Listen, I I mean, we're engaged in a lot of discussion on social media. A lot of people hate the idea that I don't think Foles is going anywhere. I think they'll have both of these quarterbacks on the roster, and I don't think his salary should factor into any decision in terms of who's starting or anywhere else. You get stuck with that. You eat it. You live with it. You made your bed, and and you just got to deal with it. I know it's not a good look. I get it. But I don't care if you're trying – again, you have to find out what you have. And by the way, if Minshew plays awful and it, and you're just not convinced that it gives you the best chance to win, then you got to make a move. I mean, you got to try to win. But you still my, – my view going into this thing is you got to go with Minshew, and I don't care right now about the dollars. I really don't. I know it's a handicap to your team. I get it. And I know that if they could unload and just stick with Minshew, they probably would. But they're not going to. They're just not going to be able to do it. We just saw Philip Rivers is done. He's available. I mean, Tom Brady, I don't think, is going to be available. But there's too much out there. Nick Foles at $33 million in dead money and $20 million or whatever. It ain't happening. It just isn't happening. So the other part is the sentimental part that's interesting because what I think we don't see, and believe it or not, I do think people inside an NFL building actually kind of have a heart. <laughs> You've experienced both sides of it, I know. I have. <laughs> so you question sometimes. But but tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I do think the fact that, and this is where injuries do come in. This sure. is a guy you brought in, great guy. Mm-hmm. Hands down, great guy. Foles you're talking Foles. about. Yeah, of course. No, I yeah. mean, nobody would say anything else. Yeah. And, and by the way, and I've said this repeat, repeatedly on the show, I have heard that as much as a good guy as you think Foles is, and in this situation with Minshew, I heard he was just top-notch with well, Minshew. And, I heard yeah. he was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like be- The quote was, better than you even think. And listen, and I'm always reminded of the interview that I had with Alex Magoo, where Magoo talks about playing in Seattle a little bit, where Russell Wilson was like this business-like demeanor. You know, like if you had a question, he'd definitely answer it, but he didn't go out of your way to help you out. Nick Foles was the exact opposite. If you had a question, he would invite you to his house to come hang out and go over the playbook and everything like yeah. that. So that, that it is very telling what kind of guy Nick Foles is. And so from that sense, I think teammates understand that. I think there's almost this little soft spot in your heart for a guy like that that mm-hmm. is a good guy. And genuinely good guy. And by the way, there's let's not lose fact that prior to the season, there was a lot of respect for Nick Foles and his game amongst the teammates in, in that locker room yeah. and the coaches and the people in that building. Now, we could debate how good. Some people now will say he's just awful. He's just a bad quarterback. I don't think well, that's going to be the sentiment in the building. And also is my keep point. in mind, like his teammates in Philly were sad to see him go as well. You know, I mean, th- th- there was some rumbling saying that they should let Carson Wentz go instead of Nick Foles. Absolutely. So I guess what I'm getting at is there is some sentimental value in some players sometimes. And 
I think what that comes down to in a cutthroat business where you often don't care about treating a player the right way as long as it comes down to wins and losses, I think there are some exceptions to that. You know, I think Paul Pozlozny would have fit in this. This is just a quarterback and a yeah. money thing. I think Pozlozny fit in there. I think Calais Campbell in this upcoming situation, which we'll talk about in a little bit, mm-hmm. I think he fits in that. You have got to make sure you handle some situations with a with a with a bit of bubble wrap, at least from the human side of it, even though it is a cut cutthroat business. I think I, I think yeah. you have to do that, and I think the Jags are cognizant of some of that, and I think because of that sentimental value, they almost believe Foles and the dollars. This is a group yeah. thing. Yeah. The dollars. And in the unknown of Minshew, that they've got to let this thing play a little bit. They've got to give them an opportunity to get in here, see where they're at. Is he fully recovered? Is he spinning the ball well? Does he still love play? All these kind of things. And just, I guess, the question we're getting at is how long does that play out? How long do they need to see before they're ready to stamp a decision on, here's our guy in 2020? Yeah, I get what you're saying, Brent. You know, and to be fair, the NFL, though, it's not the people business, okay? Absolutely. It is the winning business at the end of the day. Now, you need the right people in order to win. And they don't give out accolades for being a first-team all-nice guy, they don't. right? But no. to be fair, Clay Campbell got Walter Payton Man of the Year, and that stems from his personality. That stands, stems from the type of guy that he is. So don't knock Clay Campbell for that at all. But at the end of the day, it, it always comes down to wins and losses. And as long as that you're not being a distraction, an off-the-field distraction to your team, you're not being a cancer to that locker room, I'll be honest, man, I think they could care less if you're a great guy or just a kind of an okay kind of guy as long as you're performing on the field and winning football games. That's interesting. Uh, and, and by the way, at the end of the day, you're right. Yeah. Uh, in this business, nice guys can finish last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and by the way, Gardner Richard, nice guy too. Of so, course. With that being said, let's answer the question that we posed. When do they have to make a decision? What's in the best interest of this football team? What's in the best interest of that locker room? in the best interest of this franchise. We'll do it next. Action Sports Acts on ESPN 690. You can jump in. What's the timeline to name a starting QB in 2020 for the Jags? 904-362-9901. All right, we're talking about Gardner Minshew, Nick Foles. We already talked about it a little bit. The question is, how much pressure is there on Doug Marone to maybe name a starter and, and ride with somebody sooner than later? It's like the age-old question that you usually get in college football. Mm-hmm. You don't see this a lot in the NFL. Usually you know who your guy is. Yeah. I mean, listen, again, I think if we're handicapping this thing, I, I, I think I know who the guy is, but you're in a similar situation. Keep this in mind, okay? I know all of us would be like, Whoa, what? What? You, what are you talking about? Doug Marone thought with his job potentially on the line, Against Indianapolis coming off a of bye week four and five after that loss in London. And some of that was because of Minshew's play. Mm-hmm. He thought the best chance to win was Nick Foles. And I got to be honest with you, I'm not sure I disagreed with him. Guess what? Doug Marone's job's on the line in 2020. <laughs> so, again, there is something to the NFL. There's something to coaching that you go with what you know sure. instead of the unknown. And there's more that you know about Nick Foles, whether you like it or not, but there is more that you know than there is about Gardner Minshew. Is that fair? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, the the sample size of Nick Foles is a lot bigger than Gardner Minshew. So, yeah, yeah for sure. All right. So let's get it. Player perspective. Yes. You, you got a couple options. Mm. 
shoot, man, we could you could name Gardner Minshew uh, whenever right you want. You could name him right now. Well, before but I think we get they, into this, oh, go ahead. Let me ask this question: Do you think they know already, and they haven't announced it? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. This is my belief, by the way, and don't get it twisted, as you like to say, <laughs> in terms of the context. What, what was the prop bet of Brent saying? Don't get it twisted <laughs> See? Uh, today. See, <laughs> there we go. First bet of the day. First bet ever. Don't get it twisted coming from Brett Martineau. I tell you, we're on to something. Oh, I think we got something going on, man. Yeah. I like it. At I least like with it. Monopoly money or oh, something. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Even though I kind of heard it. I prefer <laughs> the real money. Um, this is me thinking. Mm. I believe part of the reason they are back in 2020, Doug Marone, Dave Caldwell, is they said, and they told the owner what he wanted to hear. Yeah. Now, they might be on the same page with it, but I'm just saying – I think the owner and I think Tony Khan and Shad Khan and those whoever's making all those decisions, I think Shad Khan mainly, I think he wanted to hear them say we're riding with the mustache. Of course. And we're going from, I mean from a business standpoint, I think like he did. That. Yeah. And I think so from that sense, yes. I do think uh they've made up their mind. Sure. But they had a chance to say that in January when they came back, or it was late uh December, last mm-hmm. day of December. Um and they didn't. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, they opened it up. So now what is that? And, and by the way, Gardner Minshew's been told it's an open competition. He told us that last or two weeks ago at the Super Bowl. So now what? If it's an open competition, that means you can't say anything until they at least hit the field in the spring. Well, and this you is my issue. You can't say that, right? I mean, you can't say that and then announce somebody on March. You're lying then. Yeah, but this, this is my issue. What are OTAs going to show you? But who your starting quarterback is going to be? Well, that's where this debate takes us, right? That's like, how soon can you do it? What are you going to learn? Are you going to learn enough? Does he have a? Uh, does any? Is anybody going to be able to have a stranglehold of this offense, considering you have a new offensive coordinator? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as we are handicapping when this decision could come, should come. There's three options, in my opinion. There's one coming out of spring. You know, which really is into the summer. I mean, you're talking about mandatory minicamp right around yeah. that time where you kind of know who the guy is. Other than that, you're splitting reps all the way through, right? Yeah. If yeah, it's an open you competition, you're essentially you splitting to. reps. So then the other one is at the start of camp. You come back and be like, you know what? I know we haven't seen a bunch, but our gut tells us we're riding with Gardner. And we think it's in the best interest of this football team for him to get as many reps as possible as the one and for this team to wrap their arms around him. And so G, uh, July 27th, when they come back for camp, we're naming our guy. That's option number two. Hmm. And then option number three is, well, shoot. I mean, heading into the – well, I, let me give you a fourth. I think option number three is after preseason game number two when the starters mostly play. That's when a lot of times you'll have this answer decided. Hmm. So that's option number three. And then if it's really untold, which, by the way, they did a couple years back with Blake Bortles, and they opened it back up, remember, right after the preseason, and him and Henny, which was kind of odd. But then the next one is, you know, right the start the week of the season opener. So there's really four options, unless I'm missing one. But there are four options coming out of the spring, going into training camp, going into that third preseason game, or going into the, the season opener. What should they do? What will they do? So, to me, listen, if they know right now who the starter is and maybe Minshew's just showing some gamesmanship, fine. It's uh, We don't have to know in the media. Like we'll, we'll, we'll see it when we see it, okay? As long as the players know, though, I wouldn't be complaining. I think you do it as soon as possible. Because the, the, the major point that I'm trying to drive home here is the fact that 
Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew, they are not the same kind of quarterback, okay? Like Nick Foles in the past, I think he's kind of been a little mobile for whatever reason. In Jacksonville, he has not been that guy. Now, I don't know that comes from the injury a little bit where he's a little more tentative to scramble or to get out of the pocket. Whatever the reason being, Nick Foles does not look very mobile. On the other hand, Gardner Minshew is a guy where you can do the quarterback rollouts. You, you can do the bootlegs and all that kind of stuff. And you can be a little more, I think, inventive, um, a little more of that new school kind of feel with Gardner Minshew. I want to. I want an offensive coordinator to come in and just be like, you know what? This is our guy going forward. Let's tailor the offense around him. The last thing I want to happen is the Jaguars to go through OTAs. The Jaguars to go through training camp. And be like, oh man, it's it's neck and neck right now. Let's you know, let's get Nick Foles back in with the ones for the second preseason game. See how that goes and everything. Like, I I would rather have a plan in place off the get go. Okay, and. To say that Minshew is not the starter right now, well, then that kind of goes to show me that last year didn't mean anything. You know, it goes to show me that last year with Doug Marone as the head coach, with the same GM, it doesn't mean anything. Now, I get it. You have no offensive coordinator, so be it. But you, you last year had to count for something, Brent, okay? There's not a lot to be positive about. They went 6-10. and 10. It was a bad year for them, obviously. Fans can attest to that. But if you can take anything away from it, it's the fact that the rookie from Washington State showed some promise. So why not reward that? Because I think he's earned it and make him the starter right off the get-go. Again, I mean, I know you didn't lend too much credence to it, but I do think there is that sentimental thing of and the dollar thing with Foles that you're just not going to say, hey, hey, yeah, man, listen, Gardner did do a nice job. And, well, sorry, your two and a half games just didn't matter. Well, I guess my only question is what is the spring going to show you? It's not going to show you anything, man. Do you think Gardner Minshew is going to come in, you know, like 20 pounds overweight, out of shape, and like not ready for the for the starting job? Absolutely not. I think the guy's mindset is where it has to be. So I guess to try to play the team along a little bit during OTAs, it's pointless, man, because you're not going to learn anything in OTAs. I'm, well, I'm trying to ask you. You're the former freaking oh, I, player. Oh, I think I made myself pretty clear what I want to happen. Well, I know what you want to happen as what I think Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 host. I'm asking you, does it matter to you as a player, even on the defensive side of the football, if in April, May, June, you don't know who your starter is? Does it matter to me as a player in that locker room? Yes. Absolutely. Because the quarterback is the most important position in the NFL. And if I'm on the defensive line... I want the offense to be on the field at all times, right? I want to get big breaks on the sidelines because we work hand-in-hand. And with that being said, I think the way for the offense to kind of, you know, run like a machine and to be, you know, fully charged and locked and loaded, ready to go, is to announce a quarterback as soon as possible, okay? I think it does something for the mindset of a quarterback to know that he is the guy, right? And we, we talked about this before. Gardner Minshew at the end of the season knew he was the guy. He changed up his tune a little bit when he talked to you again and was like, you know what, I shouldn't have said that, yada, yada, yada. No, I want that brashness. I want that confidence. I don't think he's cocky at all. Dude, you have the best numbers as a rookie quarterback. Act like a man. It's okay. So from that perspective, I want Gardner Minshew to be the guy. I want Gardner Minshew to come into you know OTA's training camp and be like, all right, guys, gather around. This is my team now. Let's roll. That's what I want. I've always devalued the importance of naming a guy at the college level because mm. we have these all the time in college. You know, it's Florida, Florida State. Name your team. I think a lot of people said, oh, guys need to know what the quarterback is. You know what? Nah, guys need the best player to play. That's mm-hmm. what the guys need. Above all, you start there. Then we can talk about people's feelings and all that other stuff later. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a hardcore business, and I want the best guy. So if it takes me another week and a half to figure out the best guy – even though that seems silly because we probably all have our preconceived notions 
no matter what, and sure. the tape usually doesn't lie. I think what's interesting about this one, different than the Bortles Henny, say, when they went to that, the fascinating part of Bortles and Henny was they opened it up after the games were done in the preseason. Well, guess who the better practice player is? Clearly Chad Henny. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Like, it wasn't even close yet. They still meant – that's why it was like, what are we doing here? We know – I think it was more of a wake-up call for Blake. Message sent more than, yeah, you're going to lose your job. Now, at the time, it felt like dire straits, so maybe it was you're going to lose your job. But at least we don't have that here. I think both guys can throw the football and probably practice pretty well to make some mistakes. I don't think you're going to see – now, you got a veteran guy in Foles that maybe can run a practice a little bit more crisp, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's going to be like, oh my gosh, like if we go out there and be like, whoa, what an eyes, or how'd they name Winchu the quarterback? You know, yeah. you can do that a little bit with Bortles now. No, I mean, I you, you did have that a little bit, and, and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? But he, they ended up choosing that because they said he could run around a little bit more. Yeah. Same reason they chose going back to Minshew this past year, he could run around a little bit more. Well, and don't forget, I know last season doesn't really count for anything. But the play on the field that still echoes going into the season for those guys in that locker room, right? That's true. And, and, and they can relate to Gardner Minshew. These are the guys that were that's the last thing they saw. That, that were afraid really of Gardner nice Minshew. Of like you know, they call him a dog and all that stuff. You know, yeah. the ultimate compliment of a football player. Those guys haven't forgot that. Even though it was, it was a crappy season, they have not forgot that. And I think the logical thing to do would be make him the. Okay, one more element of this, and by the way, we still haven't fully said like what's too late to do it and what's on. So really, we got to peg one of those four options. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other part of this to me is okay. Do the players need to know? Is it better if they know how much the guys rally around? Does Jay Gruden need to know? Like he's the offensive coordinator. He needs to implement a system. He needs to work with a guy. Is that important in this process of naming the guy coming up? We'll talk about it on the other side. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Sarah is eating a chip. <laughs> and you are running in. That was an awkward run, by the way. Was not bit. very athletic. Well, it's it didn't um, look like a former football player. Didn't look like a former AAU star. Didn't look like an MMA fighter. Well, it's kind of cramped quarters in here. Don't tell the I fire marshal. The room. Hey, let me ask you this. Uh, okay, a- d- MMA d- fighter. Go ahead and sidetrack that. Thought you were going to clean up the room. Don't even acknowledge yeah, I haven't that. Got to no, it yet. it's fine. Um, <laughs> I got a lot to clean up. It's all good. Let's just bypass that whole thing. The, you know, some people in some sports can be really good, but not really be that athletic. Sure. Okay, so what I'm getting at here is... Baseball players. Oh, wow. That was a designated shot. Designated hitters? That was a shot the across the bow. Designated hitters? I mean, what are well, we talking okay, about Okay, but here? that's different than baseball player. No, that's, oh, okay. I mean... That's that's unfair context. Thank baseball you. players oh, are not very tough most of the time. <laughs> wow. Wow. But they aren't. Okay. But they're usually pretty athletic because they're hand-eye and all that stuff. Uh, okay. You know what I mean? Well, and, and I'll be honest, Brent, the hardest thing to do, I think, in all professional sports is to hit a 100-mile-per-hour ever fastball. Yeah, I would agree. Or, without that. a doubt. Or hit a 70-mile-per-hour curveball after seeing a 100-mile yeah. fastball. Yeah. yeah. And I would agree. I'm a little yeah. biased. I'm a baseball guy, but I no. believe that. Yeah. But anyway. But also, I, I, but, if you're a DH, you just hit the ball. 
you don't got to, you, you know. There's, no, like the, there's no just hitting a ball. There's, you just, just said it was the hardest thing to do yeah, in sports. But that's all you got to do. Is well, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying ball. you got to be in shape necessarily, but okay. you got to hit the ball. Okay. And you got to be really good at it to justify just hitting the ball. Okay. I always found like a DH, by the way, was yeah. like the hardest thing to do because it felt like you were taking a nap half the yeah. game. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get up. And, I was never so good enough to be a DH, so, um, but yeah, I but, would imagine you know, it'd be hard. It's kind of like a kicker, really. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. You're basically doing nothing the whole game and then they might need you with two minutes to go. All sure. the pressure in the world of the game sure. on it. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, but anyway, uh, it, that's what I'm trying to say is, <laughs> like, if you put a baseball player in a cage, yeah. probably couldn't fight his way out of a wet paper bag. So, wow. Uh, I mean, I've seen some baseball fights. Uh, some of them. Some guys some, know how to most throw. Most baseball fights some are guys came up tough, though, man. You just you can't make a blanket statement like that. I'm not saying you're not oh, right, John's, generally John's speaking. I'm taking offense to it. I'm not taking offense to it. I'm just saying. I'm, I know some tough baseball players Listen, out there. I, I am just speaking facts here. Now, they're yeah. not, you know, generally speaking, they're not going to be like hockey players. Hockey no, players are tough. Point. Yeah, exactly. Players are tough. But right. you know what else? Hockey players are usually pretty athletic. They are. Yeah. Usually. But oh, that's a buddy. good example of one. Like, not all are athletic. So what I'm getting at is, like, MMA fighters. Sure. Right? Guy who can fight, guy who can punch, guy yeah. who's tough, you know. Yeah. Are they athletic? Like, could mm. if we went to the Y. Yeah. Right? And you got, you brought John and me and you, and then you brought six other, seven other, seven, <laughs> for five on five, <laughs> uh, seven other MMA fighters. Okay. Would I be like, are you kidding me? This so, guy fights for a living? Like, so he, he can hardly yeah. walk and chew okay. gum? Like, you so, know what I mean? So it's interesting. Right. And that's an interesting point, Brent, you're bringing up here. And to be fair, I think a lot of MMA fights, you think about MMA, Brent. There's no running in MMA. That's what I'm the, saying. The, the, we there's don't really know. no sprinting, right? So you talk about the, the, their skill set and their movement patterns. All it requires is literally, you know, a couple steps forward and a couple steps backward. So, you know, to have an MMA athlete, so let's take take a kid that's been training MMA his entire life, right? Not maybe a former football player, basketball player, whatever. Just has focused on mixed martial arts his entire life. I think if you got him on a basketball court, it would look very awkward because let's be honest, the kid's not used to running. I think, yeah, no, you're going to run for obviously your, your role Training. work and your conditioning and everything. But I'm talking about the Jody parts of yeah. it. I think, I think you'd be surprised maybe how non-athletic they look outside of the cage. I wouldn't, though. I mean, that's what I was curious about. Yeah. Uh, because I think there are some sports like that where yeah. you're just so locked in that you don't do the other things. I mean, like a lot of people say, play three sports so you can experience the movements of other sports, sure. right? And mm-hmm. so you're becoming an all-around yeah. athlete. But now, like, so wrong, bottom but... line is, I would kick Conor McGregor's ass. <laughs> wow! And this is where in, we're going. In, in one. I didn't finish one. In basketball. <laughs> Man, um, so uh, I will say this about Conor McGregor's basketball game. I haven't seen uh, much of it to an extent, but I remember. <laughs> <laughs> that they're doing a, a thing called UFC Embedded, where like they follow on the fighters, you know, for, okay. for fight week, and it was at Madison Square Garden, I believe, and he pulled up his very first three pointer he ever shot, and he made it in. He did. So sometimes you just got kind of like that special touch, you know. what I'm saying you got that gift, but. I think for the most part, especially in basketball, I think you'd be surprised. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but no, that's a uh, it's a solid point. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, everybody's well, different sports don't always translate, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know. But now with baseball I, players, like to be fair, a guy that goes in the cage isn't going to get out of a fight because he has calf tightness. Okay. True. 
or hamstring tightness. You're going to go fight. A hockey player is not going to sit out a, a Stanley Cup game because he's got calf tightness. I was. Uh, They're not going to sit out of a game for losing teeth. You say dude. this. Dude, O'Chara had a broken jaw last year yes, the Stanley exactly. Cup finals, and he played. You but, say this like I defend baseball I'm, players. I'm just saying. I say it how it is about okay. baseball players. Right. I don't think, most, for the most tightness. part, they're not very tough. Calf Go ahead, coaches. Here's coaches. They want football players who can play baseball because they want the toughness. <laughs> well, that's, that's true. true. There is some of that. There is some of that. But here's what I'll say is you can't generalize because I've learned that that's a bad thing to do. You just can't do it. It's true, but if football player, I mean, if baseball players were super, there are tough, always exceptions to rules. That's all I'm saying. And, and, and here's the ultimate question: They get right? in more brawls than just a shoving match and bow up. Here's the yes. ultimate question for you. Fair, fair and point. this is the question we should be asking ourselves here: What sport features the biggest athletes? I think most people would the probably start athletic, with NBA. So the most right? athletic people. Basketball. The most athletic people. What sport? Basketball. Nah. See, no I, way. I, I'm with you. No, no, no way. I'm with John on this one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta have house of pain, baby. We're all over it. Amen. Yeah. You gotta have endurance. You gotta have hand eye. Because throwing a ball into a hoop slightly bigger than the ball is is also a hand eye coordination thing. LeBron you gotta be able to James jump. You gotta run. Six eight two seventy. He could or go play NFL linebacker, yeah. tight end, anything you wanted to okay, do. Okay, so so could Aaron Judge. I mean, if you gotta mm. pick one guy out, um, Aaron Judge jump. I don't know about that. Get some tight hips, Brent. I don't know. I probably, I probably shot that down uh, too quick. <laughs> Welcome back, Brent. Welcome back. He's back in. That's he's okay. Back in. He's back Come in. in. Come on back. It's, it's Stick like to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. stepping back yep. into the bush. Yep. But, Stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used well, to. Well, the thing is, like, okay. if, you take, if, you take, <laughs> if you take the NBA, my point, like, they are unbelievable athletes. Of course. Right? Yeah. Isn't that the question? Yeah, but like at that length, like when you're six foot eight and six foot nine, you can't do a lot else. Have you seen how you fast LeBron volleyball? James can run and Again, throw a ball? You're picking and... me one guy. Like oh, I'm not. I, the, the entire NBA is the example. Sh- Shaquille O'Neal, dude. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, so Shaquille O'Neal cannot hit a baseball. Could not even throw a baseball. I get. I bet very well. Probably, and he probably can't golf either. And he but, probably can't. Yeah, but, he probably but, can't play tennis. Cannot play golf. <laughs> but, but for a big man like that to get up and down the floor for a full game to Super be athletic. able to dunk and well, block shots. I guess shots I took and, your, I took your conversation. I, I thought you meant like who could play like. I'm just saying who's in, the most in athletic. general who could play other sports. Like football players wouldn't be like that. Like a lot of football players don't have great hand eye because uh, outside of receivers and maybe corners and running backs, you don't need. There's not every position needs hand eye. Yeah, uh, it's a fascinating. I I don't I'm know. I'm just talking like from a vertical jump standpoint, from a speed standpoint. Okay, yeah. Like yeah. all the things that so you consider like athleticism, kind of well, almost like a. I'm just talking about an athlete, track is man. About like, as athletic as you can get. Like if you can do track and field. Here, l- let's, but, but, but then let's you can't necessarily like hit a baseball. Let's let's look at or like shoot a basketball. I mean, I think from a standpoint of athleticism, like the NFL Combine, it's kind of geared to show you who's athletic, right? So forty yard dash, you got like the broad jump, you have the Jody Jills, things yeah. like that. Like you get a good idea who's a really prime athlete. Now take the bench press out of it because I think Kevin Durant bench pressed like one thirty five, like. Five times, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Oh. Yeah, it was bad. But I think from the standpoint where if you put an NBA player in an NFL combine, he won't miss a step. Yeah, yeah. I think. I, I agree. I, yeah. I, I think uh, maybe the best way to think about this question is take athletes, take like 20 athletes from every sport. Mm-hmm. Just pick them out. Don't, don't take your 20 best. But just take 20 athletes from right. MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, mm-hmm. and put them in like a heptathlon. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 
And who would? That'd be a great. We should do that. That sounds like prevail? a new league. That sounds like what we could be doing for the next eight weeks. It sounds like money that sounds right like here. a million dollar idea. Yeah. Because here's Who's the thing the I'll athlete? say. Like here's the that. thing. Here's the thing. Because if you look honestly, if you look at the stars of any league of mm -hmm. any sport. They're going to be good athletes. At, at anything. At like anything. If LeBron James played soccer, Gretzky, he'd be unbelievable. Wayne sure. Gretzky could play anything, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. LeBron James, yeah. anything, right? And so Tiger it's, Woods, it's un anything. It's unfair to say, I guess to my point, it's unfair to say, hey, LeBron, can you hit a baseball? Because that's kind of more specific. Right. Or, hey, LeBron, can you skate? Because that's yeah, more yeah. of a specific skill set. Mm -hmm. But I do think like if you the track and field kind of features the athlete. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. The best athletes come out of there most of the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so... If you took that heptathlon, yep. that might determine. I like that. I think we're athlete. on to something. Can, can, they can't get hurt doing that, right? So, I mean, it's like a it's harmless. Pull a hammy. Well, okay. But, you know, they'll be, they'll, be, they'll, be, they'll be well compensated I'm for this. Are you going to answer the question, question before right. we get, we're done with this? Oh, which one? Yeah. If you took 20. John and I are with NBA players. Yeah. And dude, I, and I'm a football. And listen, I, I mean, there's a there's a lot of freak athletes in the NFL. Don't get Absolutely. me wrong, but I just think from the size On average, if you exactly. were to take top to bottom person playing NBA, not the star, yeah, not the star of the NFL team, not the star of the NHL, not the star of the MLB team, some average player, yep. you'd find more athletes in that average position at the NBA level. I'm taking T.J. McConnell over Julian Edelman every single day. There you go. What really? do you think about? I don't know about that. That was a little aggressive. <laughs> I immediately regret saying that. I would but, like to point out I am recording that. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be so. I mean, because that's that's not even fair either. Because again, you're picking a wide receiver, no, which exactly. we just established as be one of the more athletic positions. But you know, I just think anyway. from, uh, from a size standpoint, from size, an, uh, speed, agility, it's like an average athlete in the NFL. An What's agility that? standpoint. I would say Edelman's an average athlete in the NFL. He's a former quarterback. Yeah, I know, just yeah. an average yeah. guy. If you're going to try to find average players, like T.J. Yeah. McConnell being an average player. <laughs> I, don't know. I guess I would think maybe. I guess I was thinking more along the lines of linemen. And, I mean, linemen are good athletes, don't get me wrong, but, like, can can they can they run a – a fast 40 time, I mean, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just but, think from an endurance anyway. standpoint, right. a cardio standpoint, right. exactly. uh, an agility, uh, speed, I think it's NBA. Yeah. Maybe All right, let's, right. let's get we, on this. We, we got to name one quick, Brent, before we go. We got, we got a million-dollar idea here with this half on the fence. Get off it. I don't want to name one. Okay, fine. I will say that NHL players are underrated athletes. No, for sure. Because if anybody's ever tried to skate for two minutes at the speed at which they skate, that is a I serious... Know, but the one concern I have with the... Uh, I was thinking hockey, and the one concern... Because they have a nice blend of uh, strength, mental mm -hmm. toughness, uh, right. all that stuff. I just don't know if they have speed. Like, get them off the skates, and I'm not I sure. Know, any, it's, I it's different. It's a different yeah, For sure. For sure. And I you agree. know why? This is bad, but it's because of a bunch of white guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so I don't know if they have speed. <laughs> yeah, I know. For sure. You're right, man. You're absolutely right. <laughs> they, they lack speed off the ice, perhaps. I mean, we don't, we don't know I don't for know, sure. because nobody's ever, nobody's, tassel, nobody's, nobody's, nobody's going to time their 40 because nobody cares what they run a 40 in. <laughs> of course. That's yep. the thing. So yeah. we don't really know whether yeah. or not they're fast. We could guess, but we don't know for sure. I, I think that's up here, though, man. Yeah, you know, I know, John, but we need better guidelines. Okay. It's going to be tough. you got to mesh it all together to make it super fair, and I don't know if we can do that. No, we can figure something out. Oh, yeah.
Give uh, me another day. We, we've just been hashing this out for five minutes. I, I, I got so I'll, We'll come up with something. We've done the Olympics before. Right yeah. speak. We've had the Jaguars Olympics on Action Sports Shacks. Part I was time. part of it, man. One time we did the Scorpio Adventure Olympics. Landing. You did eventually. Yeah, you, you and I were there. You probably don't remember it, but I was there right here. We got to pull that out. If I'm not mistaken, I beat your, uh, your you-know-what in Guitar Hero, by the way, too. You probably did. I did. Well, dominated Again, him. that's not surprising. Yeah. Dominated him. All right. I think I like this idea. we got to find that video, too. The two of you We guys. can find that. Uh, we'll get back to Minshew talking tomorrow moment. Although, I'll, I'll leave you with this before you tell us what's coming up, John yeah. Bachman. I don't even know if we introduced you, but everybody knows who you are. <laughs> yeah. CBS 47 and Fox 30 uh, tonight at 5 o'clock until 7, then 10 p.m. until 11.30. John, Tanika, Mike Bursch, and uh, the Action Sports Shacks team. We have a question out there on Minshew, on Minshew Foles or naming the quarterback. Uh-huh. When do you think the Jaguars need to name a quarterback by would it be coming out of the, the spring? Are we talking for fans or for the team? Um, I, the team. <laughs> I almost said something that I probably shouldn't have said. But <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> the, uh, the team. Um, the Sometimes you catch yourself, man. I'm glad you like, caught yourself. It's like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like you don't hit send on that email. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. just did not hit yeah. send. I saved sometimes this draft. Sometimes I catch myself. Sometimes I don't. I don't saved this draft out. on yeah. the email right there. Yeah. But, um, Good for you. For 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 the team. So basically, coming out of mini camp and OTAs and all that, be in June. Yeah. Say before training camp. Right. You say, hey, here's our guys going to get all our reps mm-hmm. going into the third preseason game, or fourth option going into the season opener. Right. Well, my guess is it'll be before the season opener. So you don't think you think they'll wait that long? But I do think they'll wait. Why? Why? What? I mean, like so the week. They may of the already know. Opener. Here's what I think. I mean, well, here's what I think could be the case. They probably already have a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's but what we think. But, but they're not necessarily gonna say so because why? What's the, I mean? Yeah, why? No, all well, you can do there is being anointed. No, mm-hmm. I don't think so. I mean, I, I heard. I heard. I walked in as Austin was saying that Minshew kind of ha- earned that opportunity and. You know, maybe maybe he did. I mean, look, I'm the biggest Minshew fan there is. You are. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, founding member of the uh, Minshew Mania fan club. Um, but like anyway, um, but I don't know that he necessarily. I mean, I I think that there's no harm in seeing how they how they come out and 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 I mean, Foles, you could argue has earned that opportunity as well. He didn't necessarily earn it last year, but his body of work could represent, uh, you know, earning that to some degree and. I don't see there's any harm in waiting, even if you already have a good idea. And I hope that they have a good idea now. Like, like there's a difference between having a good idea and announcing. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you have to be planning for something. You can't just be like, oh, we'll just wait and see what Check happens. This out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Flip yeah. a coin. You know, you have to you have to be planning. And I'm sure you mentioned Gruden. I mean, I'm sure he has a plan in place. And they have a like maybe a seventy five twenty five or whatever their odds might be on this, barring something crazy happening in preseason. But I don't see any need necessarily to go out and do that early when a lot can still happen between well, now and the then. The biggest need, in my opinion, I think from a from a competitive standpoint, is getting a guy reps in a new system. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the importance lies. If, right. you, if you haven't made a decision, you're splitting reps. Right. If you right. have made a decision, you're going ninety five five percent. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Ninety-nine, one percent in terms of reps. So that is a that's key a point. factor here, especially with a new offensive coordinator well, and, maybe and a they, new offense. Maybe they will make that decision then when they absolutely have to. All right, you'll, uh, you'll know the answer without them necessarily even announcing it. We got some interesting response on that. We'll have more coming up in All a right. moment. But first, what's coming up at five o'clock tonight? All right. Well, we got a crazy story out of Oakleaf Junior High School. <laughs> 
A um, bunch of eighth graders got sick after eating bread in class, and we've we've heard from a bunch of parents. Parents took their kids to the doctor, and um, at least a couple of doctor's notes come back, and they say that there was a, a THC in the system of these kids. Uh, so, so like weed infused bread. Cor- correct. That's what. That's well, THC. Well, what presumably. Yeah, what? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, that's exactly right. So the school district, Clay County School District, investigating to see wow where the bread came from, you know that kind of stuff. Uh, kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a there. Yeah. I will just let that one sit there. I'm gonna. <laughs> so I'm, gonna, gonna, that that I'm gonna not yeah. hit send on my emails as well, Brent. Um, <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. I'm learning from the best. And then another story we we got coming up, kind of scary. Thankfully, n- nothing serious came of it, but. An SUV was shot up on 295, huh. and uh, the guy driving is okay. They don't think it was road rage, but they're not quite clear as to why someone decided to open fire on this SUV on 295. But you, you, we've got video, video <sighs> pictures for sure of these bullet holes. And when you look at one of the holes, it's in the passenger side window. The driver of the SUV was okay, swerved to like avoid the gunfire, and uh, semi rear-ended him. But miraculously, oh, no serious injuries. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, you look at that bullet hole. You're thinking, I mean, d- within inches, could it, you know, could it hit him? It's, I mean, it's crazy. What are you doing, man? It's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. Like Grand so, Theft Auto. Jeez. Yeah. So wow. there's that. Uh, Christy Turner's on that story for us tonight at five. I get your heart pumping a little bit. Can you imagine? I mean, my goodness. Number one, you're being shot at. Number two, you're doing seventy miles an hour. And number three, you got a semi on you. Yeah, where do you on your go? tail? Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, crazy. Was that almost you, Brent, going uh, come back from Miami? Yeah, ninety five these days has just been crazy. Yeah. Yeah. If I was getting fired at, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ninety five has been crazy, has it not? It is. I it's drove packed, home it's from. Busy, uh, it's, it's nuts. Uh, where was I yesterday? Uh, south of Orlando, um, uh, one of the beaches area for soccer. Where was south it? of Orlando? South of Cocoa Orlando. Beach. South of there. Near there, though. Vero Beach? Um, uh, Melbourne. 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 Soccer game down there, and then had to come back. And it's nuts. It was like, I mean, it's it's crazy. You have to remind yourself sometimes, because you just drive the highway, you know, and you just do it all the time, and we go work. But that yeah. is such a main corridor. And yeah. you almost remind yourself how much of a corridor it is and how many people are. This time of year, especially, are coming in and oh, out of Florida. It's crazy. And it so, really is. It's yeah. Just, it's, yeah, just take it easy. You know, the, like, I, I find myself, you, you think you, get, you can get, like, into it and be like, oh, I got to uh, keep yeah. up with these guys. And all of a sudden you're doing 90 miles an hour. You think this is crazy. So then you get mm-hmm. over and then you're just getting past like you're standing it's still. Amazing. And it, there's cars everywhere. Oh, it's nuts. Anyway, right. old man right. CBS over. 47, Fox 3rd. Just stay in the right-hand lane. Hey, yeah, don't, don't, don't go to the left-hand lane. That's John right. will be over in the right-hand lane. I saw lane. a car. Yeah. I saw a car. I saw a car. No joke. And I thought she had it misplaced. Woman driving an SUV, and on the passenger side of her rear window, it said left lane is for passing. Right? And yeah. I'm like, you should have had that in the left lane. Whoops. On the left side of your car, because... Chances are you're going to be passing people that are on your left if you're passing somebody that you're mad about. You don't want to put it on the right-hand side. You want to put it on the left-hand side because the people that are you're trying to reach with that message are going to be, a see, be able to see it over on the right-hand side. It, did she do that purposely, oh, potentially, for sure. because yes. of the people that might pass on the right and she's mad at them? No. she's The way she was driving... She was driving and wanted everybody to clear lane in the left lane so <laughs> okay, she could so. do 95. So she should have that in the left side of her backside window so that when she veers into the right lane to pass the slow poke in the left lane, that person can see it. But nobody could see it. I've always said this, and Poor I don't placement. know if I should say this, but 
the best reality show ever would be all you'd have to do is sit on top of a billboard off 95 okay and just play by play the traffic <laughs> we're full of million dollar ideas i'm today. serious man, man what, what are we doing we, like, like, i don't think they would allow us to do investors let's go i don't think like it. but you think today yeah. what people watch Oh, I hey, hey, locked hey. in. I know. Yeah. All right. Locked yeah. in. Like, I mean, we, yeah, you'd watch the Bachelor? Come on. By the way, when ESPN 690 us. expands, we're going to do that. I like That'll it, be man. the morning drive <laughs> from, from the outdoors, whatever, CBS Outdoors <laughs> stand on 95. I love it. Just south of uh, 210 right there. Plus, just think hey. all that accomplishes. We also have our own billboard. It's live. That's a good point, man. It's <laughs> a live <laughs> billboard. That's, that, that's a long climb up there, though. Hopefully, you're not <laughs> scared of heights. Hey, can I, I get one more plug in? Sure. Tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow at 11 p.m. See, just in case I don't see you guys tomorrow, because I know you may or may not be here tomorrow. Yeah. Oh shoot, I got to work on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but tomorrow night at 11 and Wednesday at 5:45, my story finally, the, the stories finally air that I shot a while ago when I was on the Littoral Combat Ship, oh, the yeah, USS see, the Little Rock. Nice. I spent 24 hours out at sea with the 70 men and women who make that thing go. I was on a sea trial. I was the only reporter invited to do this it was a true honor right yeah but i was out there for 24 hours. i got to live and breathe what these guys are doing and then it just deployed last week so so it's gone now they're gone they're out of sea now wow. um and so i've been sitting on this for a while putting it together and uh finally get to put it to to air tomorrow at 11 p.m ncis is tuesday night so you watch cbs military navy show yeah ncis so we're on that NCIS. at 11 Same and then more. 545 yeah. on uh, wednesday you get to see kind of what these ships are all about um you know these ships have been criticized in the past so we we, we got to see it That's tested cool. on the water it's pretty cool. cool very cool yeah i'm excited about that all right tomorrow night at 11 but uh, before that uh, tonight at five o'clock cbs yep. 47 fox 30 john bachman tanika hughes mike burrish and uh, the action sports jacks team all right we gotta take a time out thanks when guys we come back Let's finish the conversation on Minshew. Put a bow on it. We have some interesting responses on social media as well. Uh, so we'll get back to the Minshew conversation. Plus a little bit more on the XFL. we got some balling and falling. MMA, we don't know how good of an athlete they are, but we know how good of a fighter John Jones is. But should he have Pretty won? Pretty good athlete, too. Is the question. Yes. Uh, we'll have that all still to come. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Wow, we get sidetracked sometimes. When are we ever going to figure out this Gardner Minshew decision or not? It's a good way to spread out a topic for an hour. <laughs> the, that old ESPN 690 way, Brent. <laughs> All right, listen, I got some uh, good responses, though, on the quarterback situation. So let's uh, see what everybody has to say. I got to go back. I want to try to get everybody involved. Um. Well, first of all, Dennis says, guys, backstory on Steve Levy saying passion bucket. Remember in that yeah, call? Yeah. Yep. He was on with uh, Dan Patrick last week. DP asked him to drop a passion bucket. A passion okay. bucket. Okay. I like the passion bucket. That was, ah, I said the simply that's... amazing might be a little over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, about the XFL. Uh, Casey says, as long as the salary and sentiment doesn't blind anyone, Minshew should easily win. He's going to have the big second year jump. Foles' backup is fine. You just can't let the money and sentiment get in the way of winning and possibly the future. Have to take those things out for the decision. Uh, Smack T 
says, and I'll sit earlier. I think what Austin was saying about Gruden being able to get his offense ready around the QB is spot on and whatnot. <laughs> ah, Very well done. I wish I read that a while fired. ago. I like Very it. well done. Yeah. Favorite, favorite tweet of the day. Right there. I'm going to actually say it right now. Favorite oh, wow, tweet man. of the day. Do we have a contest? Wow. You were talking about overselling stuff with saying it's great or fantastic. What? Well, I mean, okay. Do you, dude? Twitter has not been very active today. It has not been active. I c- he could get trumped in a moment. Yeah, okay. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, First Coast Bubbler. I think their QB situation is going to become an albatross that will set them back 10 years. They're going to let the fans choose their QB, and 15 is going to disappoint. They'll probably trade foals for the season, and they'll be SOL. Can't say that on... Love, but you know what? I love that word, albatross, man. doesn't get said enough around Me too, this world. especially on a golf course. Yeah, I heard that's pretty good. Um, I disagree with him here. here. Here's the thing. If if they play, you know, First Coast Bubble is saying that, that means he thinks Foles could be like their best option at quarterback for the next three years. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I feel that way. And I know it is a small sample from last year. Less about Foles and more about the today quarterback. And if you look at quarterbacks that are struggling, one, they're either not very good or the ones that you think could be good or have had some success but are struggling now or not playing as well are the statue quarterbacks. And Phillip Rivers is finding a new team. Tom Brady had one of his worst seasons. Flacco, Flacco nothing. You, Foles you, you last year looks we'll bad. Later. Manning, Happy you know, great call. So. No, yeah. That alone just doesn't project with today's trend. Matt Ryan can kind of say, I mean, he's yeah, he's he, a little bit he, more spry, I guess. Well, I like that word. Spry. Not, not bad. Not bad. But I, I, you're probably not wrong. Yeah. I mean, we'll see where he goes. He's still being been productive, so maybe mm-hmm. he's a bit of an outlier there. Sure. Uh, you know, and again, I say, and somebody will say Drew Brees. Well, I think Drew Brees has a little bit, almost like Marino used to have. Yeah. You know, kind of that little bit of presence or enough presence to be able to slide listen brady can do it too mm-hmm. but and, and rivers can do it too but it's noticeable at times when they don't have everything clicking then that statue presence that lack of mobility really sticks out and did it ever stick out for nick Foles in those couple of games that he played when he came back from injury so i, I disagree with him on this setting back because austin my main reason and, and probably playing Michu is to find out what you have at that position because in 2021 you can move on regardless mm-hmm. you can say hey listen we played Gardner he's a good backup quarterback yeah you know we played Foles here and there and we can get out from under this contract now and we don't want to go that route so it's time to go draft our next quarterback mm-hmm. so I actually don't think that I think this is a one-year issue and the reason it's a one-year issue is a is more reason to play Minshew because you need to find out. You need to know right now, above everything else, uh, what he is and who he's going to be and how much you can trust him uh, in the long run. Listen, if we're going to the next season or 2020 season for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you look up and down the roster on the offensive side of the ball, and you see a bona fide tight end, you see receiving threats at the uh, – running back position you see a burner who take the top off um you know from like your two slot receiver spot you see a bona fide one receiver you see all those things and you know what maybe nick Foles could be the guy like he was in philadelphia but here's the problem you don't have that okay you don't have the offensive line that you had in philly 
Um, as far as the running game is concerned, I think on the ground it's comparable, but you don't have like that change of pace back like a Darren Sproles or somebody to throw to when things get a little sketchy. You don't obviously have a tight end right now, a bona fide tight end, uh, to, you know, to try to create the center of the field with. And, you know, as far as the one receiver, like DJ Chark could be that guy. I mean, going forward now, I mean, can he, can he progress and get better and better? Time will tell. And like I said, the offensive line is just not up to par with Philly. So you don't have all those pieces put in place. So I think we kind of know what Nick Foles is going to be. And if that's the case, and depending who the Jaguars draft and bring in free agency, obviously those are question marks as well right now. But if you have all those things and you have all that data, well, then you have to go with Gardner Minshew, I feel like, because he would probably give you the better chance to win, honestly. All right, Duval Hot Take says this. The problem with this front office, think too much with their heart, not brain. BB5 should have never re-signed, but he did because he was in the AFC Championship. Not that he earned it. Dead money. Okay. Uh, now we are flipping between a guy who we outbid ourselves versus a young kid with a high ceiling. Insane. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get into the whole Blake Bortles thing, but I, I know that's the opinion. That's fine. Uh, I, I'm not sure he didn't earn to some degree another opportunity. Whether he earned that much money and you were outbidding yourself again is is yeah. a fair uh, discussion. Uh, Joe says, that's how the NFL works, unless you're the Pat Stafford, Dalton, Cousins, Foles, <laughs> um, in terms of uh, re-signing the Bortles thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else. Robert says, what's the rush? They can't do anything yet anyway, can they? Besides, if they're going to deal with Foles, they can announce he's not going to be the starter. Okay, and here's the deal. They're not going to make a decision until, I would say, the earliest is that at coming out of spring. Sure. And I say spring, but it's really in the summer. It's it's really a mandatory minicamp. I finally have to answer this question because we've been asking it. Mm-hmm. I think the best interest of this football team is to make a decision going into training camp. I don't so think they will, by the way. By training camp? Like by the time training camp starts, first day, day one, this is your starter, or yep. during training camp? Nope. Okay. I think day the one. best. You, you can give the sample of this. <clears throat> listen, I think the OTAs are overrated anyway. Yeah. So I think you can let all that stuff happen and 50 50 it and learn mm-hmm. the offense, and everybody's coming along at a slower pace anyway. And you got a good six weeks in there. See what it's like in the meeting rooms, you know, chart all the stuff out on the field, all those things. See the health of everybody and and whatever. So you have six weeks, and you already kind of know where you're headed anyway. And so convince yourself in those six weeks that you're right or you're wrong, but most likely convince yourself you're right. And I think the best interest of this football team, the best interest of this franchise, is to name Gardner Minshew by the start of camp July 25th, 6th, 7th, whenever that starts. How? After the last six months of what's been going on PR-wise, I'd probably name them yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that ain't happening. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think the football people should be concerned about that, of course. quite frankly. So, uh, now, I think that's what should happen, Austin. I think the most likely thing is when you have an open competition, you usually decide by that third preseason game. I know. I think that's you know, what the trend says. I think that's what the history says. And I think that's what probably will play out, even though I think they should have one named by the start of camp. Yeah, and that could very well be the point or the point where they know who the starter is going to be, but they're not going to announce it. But obviously, once we go to training camp, Brent, we're going to watch the reps and we're going to see for ourselves and we'll make our decision ourselves. So, yeah, that that's a possibility. And it's one that I don't really want to see just from the standpoint of, once again, 
You're implementing a new offense with new terminology, and that takes time to develop, all right? And it takes time to build a rapport with your receivers of the routes that you want them to run and pretty much just get everybody on the same page. Well, on top of that, you're also going to add to it now where, you know, the, the starting quarterback or the one quarterback is going to have the reps, right? And it doesn't pay. So, if like, for instance, we saw last year what happened, Brendan, in training camp, right? Gardner Minshew was not on anybody's radar, okay? We we watch training camp practices. We watch preseason games where he's with the twos, and it's like, uh, I mean, remember, we were talking about should they go after somebody as a backup quarterback Absolutely. after those preseason games. I mean, games. there was some thought, don't, don't, go ahead and tell on yourselves and, yeah. and all of us, but... Some so, people said maybe they should cut Minshew. Exactly. So so you saw what what playing with the twos does to you, right? So with that being said, to have an actual true quarter camp, you know, a quarterback training camp battle, they have to split reps with the ones. And instead of that time being, you know, used to groom your quarterback, um, to make him fit the system, to try to build around him, now you're having a straight up competition, man. I just I think that puts you behind the eight ball, especially when you're all in this season of trying to win so you can keep your job. It's a tough situation. When you say it's opened up though, you can't do it can't close the book too early. And it cer- certainly sounds like uh it's uh it's opened up. And they have two QBs, as Doug Marone said, back on December thirty first. All right, a different Jags topic. When we come back. We have about four guys that are critical and Jags need to make decisions in the next few weeks. What's the order of priority? That's next. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hi, right, welcome back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Austin Lane would like to see Minshew named now. I would like to see, uh, I think... He should be named uh, quarterback by the start of training camp. Seriously, opening day training camp, I'd break the news right there if I was Doug Marone and say, here's our guy. Uh, and, and it doesn't have to be Minshew. I just think it's going to lead and trend toward Minshew. But uh, I would name my guy. And, again, part of this, the the lesser part of this for me is, oh, I'm a defensive end and I need to wrap my arms around my quarterback and know who he is. I, I think that part is a little overplayed. I get the importance of it. I understand it. But I think the bigger part is give me the reps, getting Gruden's offense. I don't want my quarterback, whoever it is in September in that season opener, to feel like they're a little bit behind and less comfortable because you couldn't name a starting quarterback so they had half as many reps in the first two and a half weeks of camp. I just and and for a younger quarterback, I think those are more valuable. For a guy like Foles, you probably get away with it. But for a younger quarterback in a new offense, new coordinator, new people, uh, assuming some offensive weapons, I think that part is important. So uh, be interesting. I, I, I tweeted out. I said I think they should. I don't think they will until the third preseason game. I think that's where history tells us when you have an open competition, that's where those decisions usually get made. Even if we already kind of have a feel mm-hmm. uh, for who the guy. Might be fascinating story to watch, and one of the problematic points of this uh, football season for the Jags is that you don't know who the quarterback is. Uh, I think that's a problem. Uh, it's not a good thing. Yeah. It, it's not a bad thing that you have a couple of guys that can play the position. Like we're not talking about career backups, and that's all we have. You're talking about a guy that has a resume that's halfway decent, has played a lot of football in the league, and you're also talking about a guy that might be your guy. So from that standpoint, it's not bad that you're picking from these two, uh, or at least as bad as it could be. And I just think from a from an optic locker room standpoint, you know, I mean, the, the, the quarterback, he is the general of the team, okay? And 
I feel like the longer you wait, and once again, maybe the locker room knows already, Brent, and we're kind of on the outside looking at it. They him, don't know. And, and it will so leak out, man. Okay. Okay. I mean, everybody's you're, got an agent. You're, you're probably right. So I just think from, from the optics and everything, from, from getting the team on the same page, we, we stress about the communication part of things, right? Yeah. Especially this past season. I think knowing who the leader is, who the guy is, whether you're on offense or defense or in special teams or whatever, or you're a kicker. I just think knowing who your established guy is going forward, especially going into training camp, it's only going to help the team out. You know, one other thing about communications real quick, then we're going to get on to this next topic, order priority, Calais Campbell, A.J. Boye, uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Who are we missing? Uh, is there one of those? Marcel Darius. Marcel Darius. Was he on our list? Yeah, I mean, okay. he, he was on my list. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to take those four guys. Mm-hmm. What happens with them? Uh, how does the sequential order of this go in terms of them making decisions on these guys? Before we do that, though, one thing we never got to last week, and it's my understanding that the players did not know about the second home game in London until we all found out about the second home game in London. That that's, This is from what you've been getting? That's what I can gather. That's uh, <laughs> not substantiated, but that's okay. what – it's not like they held a team meeting, man. They, they don't, nobody's in the building. Yeah, man, but I don't know. Email, phone call, something. Nothing. I, well, I mean, to be fair, it would make some sense with someone. And I, we don't, I don't get into at least like all the, you know, the Instagram posts and things like that. We talk about Leonard Fournette taking all his Jaguar yeah. stuff down. I mean, that could make sense of wow, this came out of nowhere. You guys didn't tell me, and maybe you're upset about it a little bit. That, I guess that's what I was going to ask. You're big on the communication these days. Heck yeah. Um, I guess all the time. But. Well, Brent, I'm married, so you have to be right. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, <laughs> the, hey, that's that's my line, by the way. <laughs> that's right. Good yeah, luck with that. yeah, yeah. Uh, do you seriously? You got a lot of young players, and they're like, "Man, put me on the moon, I'll play." You know, keep me on the roster, make sure my check comes. Yeah, that's reality. But then there's also other players that are like, "Really? Uh, how, what do you think when they get back in in April, or when they talk to whoever? What do you think the the temperature of that is going to be like hey couldn't you have told us so keep in mind here and if, if by the way they didn't yeah okay exactly. I, i'm not a hundred percent i just the feeling when asked around on that is nobody knew they if not nobody then the masses didn't like i said if there's not a team meeting then you can't assume everybody knew anyway sure now, did a guy like calais campbell maybe know because he talked to shad khan at the end of the year and they said hey just for just to let you know this might be brewing there was in the building. There were rumblings about two home games in London for over a month and a half. Sure. So did it? Did somebody not know? I, I'm sure they heard some of the rumblings. Bottom line is, if you're a player, would you be a little bit perturbed at how this went down without? Hey, we're the ones that have to play over there. Yeah. So I'm not sure now how the dead period works where coaches can't talk to players, okay? Because there is that after the season. Yeah, I don't think they can. I yeah. So well, like I can't talk to Jay Gruden. Yeah, they can't. So so I assume right now. I mean, obviously the coaches can come out and say anything. But once again, I talk about communication all the time. Where if I'm a a six seven year vet in that locker room, if if I'm like a Clayus Campbell or um you know like an AJ Boy, some guy like that, who I pretty much earned my stripes, right? I've I've made it in the league for a while now. And the first I'm hearing about it is on Twitter or is on ESPN of somebody reporting it, I would be upset, okay? Because being that vet, I assume that, you know what, I, I've done a lot for this organization. I put the blood, sweat, and tears this organization, and you can't even tell me that we're going to have another home game in London. 
I would be pretty upset. Now, once again, not saying that's how it went down. Maybe the vets knew. Maybe they didn't. This is all speculation and hearsay. But if I'm a rookie as well, Brenner, a first, second-year guy, we talk about this all the time. This is the, the, the modern-era NFL player now. It's part of the wide generation. And you ask why of everything. And I think you want to be informed of everything. So if I'm a first, second-year, third-year guy, and I don't know about this, and it just comes out once again on Twitter or you see it on ESPN, I also would be pretty upset because I'm like, well, why why wouldn't you come to me? Like, what? I mean, I'm part of this organization. Why do I have to find out on on Twitter? You know. So I think from the standpoint, if there wasn't communication regarding the second home game in London, yeah, I think players would absolutely be ticked, old and young. Let me flip it then. If they were in the loop in the last 24 hours before the announcement. I mean, is it just, okay, thanks, or do you appreciate that? I mean, we're talking about yeah. an organization that's had a lot of bad PR, uh, some player run-ins here in the last six months, mm-hmm. uh, things that we've questioned, and we un- we question that communication and what's going on. Is everybody on the same page? Yeah. Does that See, shed some light? Uh, I mean, you could easily say, well, that's the way it's supposed to be done. Of course. But do you appreciate it at the very, li- listen, uh, at the very least? Listen, if you're a player, you hear that news, you're probably not going to be too pumped on it, especially if you've been doing the, tr- the trip for a while now, right? Like maybe you're not looking forward to having a second home game in London. But I think from the standpoint and the most important part of this whole thing here, Brent, is the fact that I talk about it all the time on the show. A lot of times when you're in that locker room, it's us first, them mentality, right? It's like we're the players, they're the ownership, you know, they're, they're sitting in the luxury box making the, the, the millions and millions of dollars, and we're out here sacrificing our bodies. And, and there's, there's always going to be a little bit of that rift. It's just that's how it is, man. It's, it's how uh, NFL teams are built. But when you don't kind of give, I guess, just, you know, the combinations of the, telling the player, listen, we're going to announce some news here, but we want to tell you guys first. Well, to me, you grow that animosity towards players and ownership because now it's like, well, you wouldn't tell us, but you're going to, you know, I mean, it's going to get out on Twitter and uh, it's going to get on ESPN before you even tell us. Like, to me, I think that builds resentment a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah. so communication I don't key think in you this, do any kind of this. Yeah, I don't think you do yourself any kind of favors by not letting the players know before the news comes out. Yeah, interesting, just because communication is important, even though they really don't have a say. <laughs> no, it's they not don't like say we're taking all. a vote here. Hey, guys, you want to go play two no, games in London? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's not sure. that, but that's good. But I, you're I keeping it, them in the know. I, I didn't get to that last week, but I was interested in the context of that. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, there is, needs to be a little bridge building here somewhere along the way with players in that front office. And even though Tom Coughlin's gone, and I know a lot of the angst surrounded that, and I know there's a bit of love for Doug Marone, I still think that is important. You know, I mean, you know my feeling on this. Part of the reason I believe they're back in 2020 is to make the house look a little bit better for 2021, regardless of results. It was not a good-looking house to buy in in 2019. And I think all those things can go a long way uh, in doing that. And, and to Doug's credit, he at least kept a lot of that going and a lot of that alive amidst a lot of distraction and the eggs between Coughlin and a lot of those other players. So uh, interesting uh, on that front. All right, let's get to it. We know the big names. You know, some of these things are interesting to play out, right? We just brought up Marcel Darius, Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, A.J. Boye. Interestingly enough, all on the defensive side of the football. Interestingly enough, three of them on the defensive front. And interestingly enough, that's a lot of pro bowls, but also a lot of money in yeah. those three guys specifically. Give me your order of figuring it out with those guys. You have until about March 10th or so when free agency hits. 
uh, I can give you some of the the numbers. I mean, Darius is like a huge cap hit. He's twenty two million dollars. Yeah, I but, think it's but, like. But six, also keep in mind, he's definitely a guy that could probably work with you because he's done it in the past. Well, my feeling on this, and I think a lot of people have sailed that ship right out of town. I I have not. In fact, if I had a bet to make, and this is no inside information, this is just my feeling of how Marcel Darius feels about Doug Marone, likes being in Jacksonville, all those things, coming off a bit of an injury of two, which was... I mean, a bit of an injury. Uh, yeah. Dude, the, the, the guy's entire abdominal muscles tore off the bone or whatever. Like, that's a serious injury. And and listen, he's still a good player, but also aging to a degree. He and he's made a mint in the NFL. He's made $100 million. Yep. He's going on his 11th NFL season coming up. I have a big belief that he will be back in some capacity with the Jaguars for a reduced rate. Yeah. I really do. And I, I don't know. That is just a gut feeling. That is nothing else. Um, but I kind of think he will. And I think it would be a big deal if they can keep him for a very moderate salary because it would take away a gaping hole on that defensive front that everybody thinks that they're going to have to address in the draft. Yeah. So I don't know if that's where I start. I don't think he's priority number one because I do think you can address it in the draft. And I think that cap number is so big that it's an easy move. I mean, he's gone. At the rate it is, he's gone. Mm-hmm. It's all about reworking it. So anyway, go ahead. I'm not going to go first. You go first. Well, I mean, you just want to go back and forth here? Sure. Okay, cool. So obviously starting with the, with the biggest priority between Yannick. It was, what do you want to do first? Go with the top priority, number one? Top priority. All right. So top priority between the top, AJ. Okay, I like your style. Starting with uh, so AJ Boy, Marcel Darius, Clayus Campbell, or Yannick Ngakwe, who is the biggest priority right now that the Jaguars have to keep on the roster? And to me, it's honestly a no-brainer. And I'm going with... I'm going with age. I'm going with, um, I guess, optimism. And I'm going with a guy that you can build a team around for years and years to come. And that's Yannick Ngakwe. Now, you have to assume he, he still wants to be in Jacksonville. That's interesting now. we can put, And I don't know if this changes your mind, but I'm going to spin this a little bit. Spin away. Well, because I think with the power I have on Yannick Ngakwe's franchise tag, mm. the ability to do that, mm-hmm. I think the most important domino to fall first is Calais. And figure out what you're going to have. So you got to know what you're working with. Are you willing to restructure? Do we want to keep them at 15 million? Do we want to just say, okay, it's time to move on? Those are your three options. And I think I need to, if I'm Dave Caldwell in that front office, figure out, okay, what's the temperature on this? Where's our, our wiggle room comes down to that. Because again, I already know in the back of my mind, worst case scenario, we're losing Marcel Darius. We can't afford that. I also don't know what exactly I'm doing with AJ Boye. We'll get to him in a moment, mm-hmm. but I but I just think the the domino of moves that happen trigger a little bit right now off what happens with Calais Campbell's contract because it tells me how much I have to work with. I, I see what you're saying here, you know, and and I definitely, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say it starts with Calais Campbell, but at the same time, do you mean to tell me that if Campbell says no? You know, I'm going to play out my contract, which I should be getting paid. And you know what? He has every, every right to right do to that, it. Brent, especially coming off a Pro well, Bowl year. The resume the last year. month hasn't yeah, hurt that. Exactly. But I still think regardless of that, regardless of what happens with Calais Campbell, regardless, Yannick Ngakwe still has to be the top priority. Yeah, by the way, that's know? a fair take, too, yeah. because if I'm if I'm Calais, I might look at, okay, what are you doing with Yann? No, of course. So, so I'm, I'm okay with your take. Yeah, so... Yeah, it can go back and forth. I'm just I'm going with the younger guy. Um, and once again, you know, the tag is available. And to be fair, if if I'm if I'm an owner, if I'm a GM, and I throw that tag out there, I'm gonna be a little scared because 
the last thing that the Jacksonville Jaguar you know need is more negative optics yeah. from the outside world, right? Yeah. Where if Yannick Ngakwe was to get tagged, and then say, you know what, no. I'm not getting tagged. I'm over it. I'm sitting out until something happens. Either you trade me or we figure this out, but I'm not playing for under my franchise tag. Well, that's more distractions, Brent. You know, and, and that's more bad optics. That's the last thing you want after a year and some change of bad optics. So I am nervous with the whole tag thing, but I'm still making Yannick and Gakwe my top priority. Yeah, uh, listen, uh, it's. I think everybody – well, first of all, Dave Caldwell said it's priority number one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But, but, but uh, I see what you're saying, though, too, with, the, you know, I mean, it depends yeah, on Clay's camp. Because there, these the are a series of moves. It's not one or the other. Yeah. You know, there are a series of moves. Okay. So we talk about those two guys, and maybe would Calais be your next move in that? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, and I'll, I'll get to Marcel Darius in a little bit here because I got nothing against that dude whatsoever. This is just how the NFL works. But I'm definitely going Clay's Campbell number two. Um, the, the age is a concern, obviously, right? Because he's going to be entering his 13th NFL season, okay? That's a lot of wear and tear in those tires. All right, let's not lie to ourselves here. Um, but from the standpoint, as far as injuries are concerned, I mean, one could say he has played a lot of injuries in his career, but he's always found a way to get on the field. Yeah, now, whether, yeah, now, whether the performance on the field was hampered by that, I would probably say yes, it has. But you can't knock the numbers. You can't knock the accolades. Another Pro Bowl season for Clayus Campbell. So he's obviously my numero two okay i know you're a player's guy so you're like hey go get your 15 million understand yeah, but from the business side of it from the jag side of it from todd okay. wash dave caldwell doug Murrow on those side what would you be asking calais to do i mean i i think uh on jaguars all access i think jeff logman brought this up uh to me at one time be like well could you play him 30 plays say hey we want you to play 30 plays and we want you to play Lights out for 30 plays. You've played too many plays. We all know, actually, Clayus has played too many plays because yeah. he's had to. Yeah. And he's been so productive. No one's been able to back him up. And they have no backup that's, that fits that kind of production or comes close. Mm-hmm. So can you say to him, listen, man, we think you've still got football. We absolutely love you. We want you to retire here. But we also want to reduce your role because we think it will help the football yeah. team a little bit. It's a tough conversation well, to have. But again, now, get get out of player's mindset here. Uh, yeah, and is that the kind of conversation? Does would that fit? If I had that conversation, again, totally objective point of view, mm-hmm. would eighteen other teams around the NFL, twenty four other teams around the NFL, probably have a similar type of conversation, or be looking for similar type of services? Yeah. from Calais Campbell, is that fair? So, it's fair, but here's the problem with that kind of mindset, Brent. Okay, if you go back to Pro Football Focus, and I get it, it's not the Bible, it's not the end all be all. But the best defensive tackle against the run last year, according to them, was Calais Campbell. So if you're the Jaguars or if you're another team and you're asking, hey, you know what, Calais, you're getting up there in age, man, going to your 13th season right now. Uh, maybe you're a little banged up this past season. Let's go ahead and reduce your role. Let's get you out of some of those, you know, run situations. Let's just let's have you pin your ears back, man. And go after the quarterback. That's what you love to do, anyways. Hit some more of those home runs outside the stadium. You know, you love to do that. Okay, that that's maybe how the dialogue is going to go, Brent. But then, it, what am I going to say to him after that? Okay, we want you to do that, but guess what, man? It's going to come at a cost, obviously, right? Because you have to meet us halfway. If we reduce your role, well, we got to take some money away. That's how business works. And if I'm Clayus Campbell, and listen, I don't know how my body feels right now, so it's hard for me to speak on Clayus Campbell's behalf. But if I'm Clayus Campbell... Not too many of us know what six, eight, three hundred pounds feels like. <laughs> Man, I wish I knew what that felt like. But if you're Clayus Campbell, once again, don't know how he feels like, Brent, but I'm pointing to the numbers like, listen, man, I'm a, I'm a pro bowler, 
and I was rated number. And guess guess what? Coaches look at ProFootballFocus.com. Oh, all right, yeah, some more and, than others. Yeah, but, some more than others. But I mean, it, that information's out there. Yeah. Guess what? At least one team's going to pick up on that, right? So depending how he feels, though, if I'm Quayus Campbell and I feel great, I'm like, no, man, reduce my role. Why? Because look at the numbers. Look at the analytics. I'm I'm playing some of the best football in in the league right now in terms of the run game too. And you're gonna take that away from me? You're gonna take money away from what I'm really, really, really good at? I can't come with you on that. So, once again, it depends on how Clayus Campbell's body feels, I think, more than anything. But if he feels great, man, I have a hard time seeing how that conversation is going to play out with him trying to take reduced roles. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I do. I mean, when I sat down with him after the season, I mean, his quote was, do I still feel like I'm worth $15 million? You're damn right I do. Sure. You know? Yeah. So, and I, I get it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard for me not to say... He doesn't look like he's worth $15 million still. Well, and, but here's a million-dollar question, Brent. I'm putting you on the spot right now. Is he worth that money to the Jacksonville Jaguars then? If you're the GM, do you pay him that money? Do you, do you make yeah, it right? Yeah, I'm like the super biased guy. Uh, so <laughs> the the here's what I uh, – let's just take from a football perspective. I get what they're saying. 34 years old, it goes – and when it goes, it goes fast. It does. And – I do think he play, he's played too many snaps, but he's been ultra productive. He also admits that he missed a lot of tackles, but pro football focus numbers say he played pre, pretty well against yeah. run. And so I guess I have to trust my eyes, and my eyes can get spun if I'm in that front office, depending on how much I want to pay a guy, so you got to be a little careful of that. But I really got to trust my eyes and my position coaches and see how well is this guy playing because my team sucked the second half of the year against the run. Correct. And you want me to get rid of a guy? That's one of the best in the NFL against the run. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem to add up. When he's yeah. when we have him under contract, to me, I kind of stopped there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like with the Yon stuff. It's like we can talk all we want about it, but when you show me number two all-time in Jacksonville Jaguars history in sacks, you've heard me say it a million times now, I kind of stopped the conversation there. He's yeah. 24 years old, number two all-time in sacks in your franchise's history. Mm-hmm. Keep the guy. Find a way to get the guy signed. Yeah. And keep in mind too, you know, and I get it. The, the, the age is—it's got to be a factor, okay? It does. You're, you're you're going into your 13th NFL season. I can understand how they say 30 snaps would be beneficial to Calais sure. and the football team. I understand but, that. But let's be honest, Brent. This is a guy also who, yes, he's probably played through injuries, but he's never made business decisions to set out of those games. This is a guy in the past three years in Jacksonville has started every single game that he's been in. It's been okay? unbelievable. Ha- hasn't missed a start in three seasons. Now, from a standpoint of any NFL player that can do that, set aside from like the quarterback position or the punter or the kicker, that's pretty impressive, man. All right, Because injuries happen all the time. Hamstrings, calves. like Guys are going to miss games. Just the way the NFL works. And for that dude not to miss, maybe it's $100,000 he's spending on the, you know, the treatment and everything like that, but it's working. And to me, that says something as well. Question is, if he takes a pay cut, does he only put eighty thousand into his body? <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Hey, Coos, we have James on the line. Let's get to him. James on the line right now. Uh, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN six ninety. What's up, James? What's going on, fellas? Yeah, you know, uh, here's the deal. You know, I, Brent, I've, I've, my son and I have been going to these games, and I personally for seventeen years. You know, I started out ninety five and four four in the upper deck. Viability was never a problem. It was just when. So fast forward to, say, the last seven years with uh, the GM, you know, Dave. This was all messed up by just mismanagement of the cap, picking the wrong players, paying the wrong players. Now, to me, it goes back to you paid a middle linebacker that you shouldn't have paid last year. That money should have went to the defensive end. 
you know, they're more – they're like quarterbacks. If you can sack the quarterback you're and, and cover and block, you know, you're going to get the money. So if they would have managed their cap correctly and, and I always say efficiently, this conversation about having to worry about, you know, franchising Jan, putting him in a situation where he's not going to be happy, missing training camp and all this, could have been avoided. And it goes back into now you're in a position where you can – offer Calais a decent contract. Now, I would love to say flip some of that money into roster bonuses. I don't know if it could be done, but you would be in a better position. And lastly, I don't trust these guys with these two first-round picks any more than I would trust myself. It, the history here is leading us down a road that unfortunately is going to keep us at four or five wins a year uh, for who knows how long, and, and that's the the sad part about it for the fans is that we've watched this derailment for years and maybe we're the only ones that see it where, you know, executive leadership with the Jags, you know, they have blinders on and, you know, it's all good in the neighborhood, but we'll see. James, appreciate the call, man. Thanks for listening uh, to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 here on a Monday. All right, a couple of things here real quick. I think the eyesore of mismanagement of the cap is really in the quarterbacks because they haven't got the production. People swing and miss on free agents all the time. This organization, I think what we do neglect to look at is we just spent the last 10 minutes talking about Calais Campbell. That was one hell of a signing. Yeah. One hell of a signing. I don't know if Miles Jack's contract, while I get your point from an aesthetic point of view, from an optic point of view, it wasn't either or. The Jags can afford to sign both guys. This was more... They reached a stalemate with Jan, and I guess the question asked, would they be paying Miles right now? Did they pay him too early? But when you pay guys early, you get a little bit more of a break, and that's how you manage this thing sometimes is you take that gamble. Yeah, You know, they did it with Telvin. It looked good for a year or so, and then Telvin disappeared. Uh, so I, I'm not overly critical of the Miles signing, one, because I don't think it's either or. It really wasn't. Now, I think what's debatable is what would they have signed him for this year? Would they have been interested in him coming back Mm -hmm. if he had reached the end of free agency? Mm -hmm. I don't know where that sits, but it would just add another hole. Uh, And I also believe Miles had a rough year. I I think he's a better player. I've been a big Miles guy, so I'm not giving up on that yet. Um, He had a bad year, really did. But I don't necessarily think that he's a bad player. I think he's still... He adds to your football team on that defensive side. And to get to James's point, though, were they over overspent? Well, they paid Miles Jackley. He's a top three middle linebacker yeah. in the league, and unfortunately, he didn't play like that this past season. Now, maybe he could going forward, but right now, what we've seen, no, you're, yeah, you're not top does, three. Didn't look good in the NFL. Right. And one could argue too, Brent, that they paid a middle linebacker over a premier position like a pass rusher. Let me ask you this question: Give me one pass rusher from the 49ers. Just anyone. Nick Bosa. Nailed it. Give me one middle linebacker for the, the 49ers. Yeah, I have no idea. His name's Fred Warner. Was the middle linebacker? Started 16 games this season. Okay. Hey, Interception he, in the Super Bowl. Interception in the Super Bowl. Good call. There you go. But, um, you know, didn't get the Pro Bowl accolades or any Pro Bowl kind of thing. Didn't get an all pro, obviously. But, you but, know, he's just. They made a bit. Quan Alexander. Yeah, you know, they're quite, but that's outside. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so, I'm like, sorry. Yeah, inside yeah. Saying. So, so I'm saying inside linebackers just. 
you know, it, it's a position. Listen, it's important, man. You think of Luke Keekley and all those guys. Like, yes, there are game changes at the middle linebacker position, but you cannot overlook the premier positions like pass rusher, like quarterback. Well, let me just ask you real quick, though. You don't, do you think it's either or? That, see, I disagree with Jane. It wasn't either or. They got no. stuck on Jan, and they've been stuck on Jan. Yeah, but it's not like I they think... weren't. Now they can't afford Jan because of. But they can't be... afford Jan, or they can't afford Jan and Calais more because of the quarterback signings of the last two classes. True, but the last two years. But it begs the question: where we're talking about, can you? You know, I mean, who's gonna who are we gonna keep? Are we gonna keep Calais? We keep Jan? Well, if you didn't sign Miles Jack last year, maybe you had the conversation. Yeah, maybe it's maybe fair. you're saying let's keep Jan and Calais Campbell. I just think you know? I think they have had made they've made some good signs. Like AJ Boya was a good signing. Sure. Now, is he worth keeping? We didn't answer that one. Let's get we to that one when guys. we come back. And by the way, what everybody's going to say right now is, what about Andrew Norwell? Terrible signing. I understand for the dollars it hasn't been a good signing. But my point is, in free agency, you miss on those sometimes. It's not good if you do, but all teams do. They vote, You have to also recognize that they did hit on some of these guys. The Boyes and the Calais Campbells and the Marcel Darius with the trade. Uh, they did hit on some of that. That's reality just as much as... Maybe missing on Norwell and the QBs is reality. We come back, little AJ Boye, and uh, we wrap up uh, Monday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. One more thought on the XFL and a little ball and fallen too. How about these free agent quarterbacks in March? Tom Brady, Drew Brees, could be, could be, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dak Prescott, Ryan Tannehill, Philip Rivers, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, Case Keenum. I don't really know why Case Keenum's in that list. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, you can keep why. Dak. Yeah, but we'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. Okay. That's an interesting one, too. Maybe talk big picture about all these quarterbacks uh, on tomorrow's show. A little bit more didn't get to today. Uh, Phillip Rivers, obviously, in the Chargers, which we kind of, I think, had heard that they were parting ways, but they made it official. Uh, the divorce is happening. And what happens to all these other quarterbacks? And by the way, this right here is another reason I said it earlier in the show, is that if you have any hope of the Jags unloading foals, this is a reason why Good they're luck. not. Yeah. I mean, nobody's and, and taking on. draft as well. Tua's, it said that his stuff's back feel normal, so Tua's going to get drafted pretty high. And it's just, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and nobody's going to take the contract of Foles when you can get these other guys potentially. Or, I mean, there's all different levels, right? You get the upper echelon, the Rivers and Brady's that will come in $30 million plus, or you can get down to the, whether it's Winston and Bridgewaters or Mariotti, you take flyers on those guys. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just not happening. They're not unloading. It would be a miracle if they unloaded, Well, it, even if they wanted to, if they unloaded Foles. It goes to show you, too, just how much luck is involved in the NFL, right? Because if we're having this conversation last year about Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady being free agent quarterbacks, and the Jaguars in the market for it, oh, we'd be all over it, Brent, right? Like, Nick Foles, with all the respect, they would probably be an afterthought compared to Tom Brady or Phillip Rivers. But now, here we are, you but, know, $20 million in the bank. That's a great call, really. But, okay, so Brady and, and Rivers, if you had to, like, Go back to last year, and this class was involved, and Foles was in, in it too. Mm-hmm. So Brady and Rivers are interesting, but they're like they're 38 and 43 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Foles was 30, and I'm not, I'm not saying you would take Foles over those two, but it's just an interesting way to look at it. 43, 38, 30. From the age standpoint, a guy that could, if you sign him to a four-year deal, like actually could play for four years if he's good, mm-hmm. and then assign him again. Yeah, you know, so you could have your quarterback. Quite frankly, for the next eight to ten years, with Foles, obviously wouldn't with these other guys. There are more rentals. Let's assume Breeze is either retiring or he's staying in New Orleans, and Prescott. Let's assume he gets signed. Well, who else would you want? Would you want Tannehill over Foles? Would you want Winston over Foles? Bridgewater over Foles? Mariota over Foles? Keenum over Foles? 
I mean, yeah. if you had that, I mean, Bridgewater, would you make a little bit of run at? Winston, you wouldn't, right? I mean, didn't we have a little bit of that guy no, in, in but, Bortles? But let's be honest. I'm not so saying they're the, alike, but I'm talking yeah. about the turnovers and everything. But I guess from the standpoint of if you wanted to draft a guy up higher, you could bring in a cheaper guy like that Joe Flacco, like Denver did. You yeah. bring in a cheaper guy and then make it work in the draft. Too, yeah. So, so but, it just, it's interesting. We'll talk yeah. about the big picture quarterback uh, spot a little bit more tomorrow. All right. We, we done a lot of things. We've, uh, the Minshew conversation was a good one earlier. The latest conversation we just had uh, in the last half hour is about four defensive guys that are going to be priority in some way, shape, or form of what you do with them. Mm-hmm. Marcel Darius, Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, A.J. Boye. The one guy, uh, and let's just sum it up with saying you, you can debate. See, I think Calais is kind of the one you have to get done first because he's the domino of how much money you have left or if you have any money or where you're going. Jan, we know, is first priority in terms of long term, but you do have that power of that franchise tag in your back pocket. And I don't know where these – you might be so far off negotiation-wise that it, it it might not be savable. Uh, and then I think Marcel Darius is the easiest guy to say, okay, gone – but my view of it, my gut says they might work something out to bring him back on a cheap deal because he likes it here. He likes playing for Marone, and it would be a good fit for the Jags if it's a moderate price tag. So that's how I feel about those three. Well, who we haven't talked about is A.J. Boye mm-hmm. and where he fits. And A.J. is an interesting one. The more and more I was around uh, the building at the end of the year, there was some narrative like, yeah, he really wasn't good. You know, Once Jalen got going, he w- gone, he wasn't good. I never sensed that watching games. I really didn't. Like, I, I did not – I don't sit there and watch A.J. Boye all the time, but I did not feel like he was an eyesore for this football team. I did not – I thought he did a nice job. I thought both corners did a nice job. I thought they would hurt at the corner position more than they did when Ramsey left. Now, some of that was people were running up and down the field on yeah, him, so they didn't, didn't have matter. to throw. I understand that. But A.J. Boye is an expensive corner for them. Mm. He seems like a very likely candidate to be a roster casualty. But what it does is make you super inexperienced and leaves a hole in the corner position if you do that. And there's one thing about building a roster that you really don't want, and the Jaguars had it this year at tight end, and and you could even say a little bit of depth of running back, is you do not want to have an absolute hole where you have no options. Mm-hmm. Well, they let Boye go. I'm not saying they have no options. But they essentially have no options. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think they're putting Breon Borders and uh, Trey Herndon mm-hmm. back there to start the season. So I don't think that – now, again, there's, there's middle-level free agency. You can find some stuff. Uh, but how do you think they treat the A.J. Boye part of this inside the organization? Because it's a hefty price tag, but it's also a position of need, especially if you let him go. So here's the thing. And going forward, obviously, with Josh Allen, assuming you either keep Yannick Ngakwe or Calais Campbell, hopefully one of them, you're still going to try to have that defensive identity – um, of the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Because you've kept Todd Wash, you've kept Doug Marone, so I still think the identity, at least from a defensive standpoint, is going to remain the same. Now, there might be some wrinkles here and there, but let's be honest, you're not going to reinvent the wheel in 2020. So with that being said, one of the greatest luxuries a team can have, Brent, in the NFL, is to have a corner where you can go, you know what? Go cover the, 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 the top receiver. Go cover the one receiver. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey was here. That's what you told him to do, and he... For the lack of a better word, he did a damn good job of it, okay? 
Jalen Ramsey leaves. AJ Boye fills in. Now, did AJ Boye play up to Jalen Ramsey's you know elite level? Probably not. But I agree with you. When I watched film, Brent, when I watched games, I was never worried. Like, oh man, AJ Boye is he's going to be on Julio Jones. Oh, AJ Boye is going to be on the one receiver. Oh man, he's he's on Keenan Allen now. Uh oh, like that wasn't the fact. You know, like to me, Boye wasn't the liability covering one receiver. If you were to lose AJ Boye. You have to ask yourself, how comfortable are you with Trey Herndon right now covering the one receiver? And I think, for lack of a better word, people would be a little, you know, taken aback Uncomfortable. By Uncomfortable. So, and yes, you know, the, there's always possibilities in the draft as well. But don't keep in mind, especially if you don't draft in the first, second round, bringing a corner in off the, you know, like in the third or fourth round, the translation from college football to NFL, it's one of the hardest leaps to make from a position is the cornerback position from college to the NFL. can be super now, hit or miss. Yeah, no, yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's free agents available. There's Jimmy Smith, Logan Ryan. Uh, I think Bradley Roby's more of like that nickel kind of guy. You don't need him. Um, Chris Harris from Denver. But those those are expensive price tags. Like Chris Harris will be asking for like $12 million, it says here on this website. No. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get you can't keep everybody, Brent, okay? You cannot keep everybody. But I think with A.J. Boye, man, as far as a guy that if he was to leave, you'd probably feel the most uncomfortable with, even probably more uncomfortable than maybe Clay's K. Campbell, do I dare say, is A.J. Boye. Because you lose him, you lose that big hole in the secondary, and now you have to desperately try to fill that void right from the get-go. It's interesting because we're talking about a couple of guys here. Where this team was super young. On paper, they were technically like the youngest team in the NFL. Yeah. And keep in mind, AJ Boye going, going into his eighth season, by yeah. the way. Yeah. And he's, but he's still, what is he? 29? Did it say? Uh, you have in front of you? I can look. Um, he's 20, 28 right now. Yeah. yeah. So 28, 29 years old. So, I mean, he's fine age wise. But I, my point here is be careful to get rid of veterans. Mm hmm. This is a team that has struggled to grow up at times. We've seen this story before, too, when Gus Bradley came in. It's a roster that just has been a slow-maturing roster. It's just reality. I, I can give you 50 examples of it. And so, careful what you do with Calais. Careful Marcel Darius goes. I, mean, I don't know if I see him that way as much, but Chris Conley, what do you do with him? Mm-hmm. A.J. Boye, what do you do with him? I mean, AJ's got a presence in that room, I think, with those guys, I think. Uh, and again, I know price tags and money and all comes in, and you got to make some tough decisions sometimes. But I think that's what the Jags are wrestling with here. Not only production, also leaving holes in certain positions that they will be desperate to fill. You never want to be in a position where you're desperate to fill it. Everybody's got holes. But desperation's a different story. And then I think veteran presence is critical on a team that's still, for the most part, is young and young is not a bad thing if you balance it with enough veteran presence. So yeah. I think AJ Boye is interesting. And to be honest with you, I don't think he's staying at the price tag of whatever thirteen million or six thirteen million. I think it is. I I, I think that's an easy decision for them. I also don't think they wouldn't like to have him back. So the question is, what you always have to ask is say, hey, if we let you go. Someone else is going to pick you up, and they're going to give you what? Mm-hmm. Give you ten million? Are they going to give you eight million? Well, we can maybe give you eight million, mm-hmm. and we say five million, and we can prorate the bonus and all that stuff, and figure it out, yeah. and it works out okay. Pay it up front, yep. you know. So maybe there's some reworking. I think there has been less conversation about AJ Boye because of the dominant conversation with the quarterbacks, with Calais, and with Jan. That 
A.J. Boye is one I wonder if there's any flexibility. No idea, but I wonder if there's some flexibility in the way they could kind of position themselves in 2020 with him. But I don't see it at $13 million. I don't see it yeah. under the current structure of him coming back. I don't think they'll pay that that uh, value for his contract for what they're going to get in return. And just once again, I mean, I, I think I agree with you on that standpoint. Hopefully you can restructure that kind of deal. But if not, it's going to be a huge loss for him because you cannot take for granted the ability to put a corner on one receiver and just be like, all right, you take him and we'll, we'll go from here. It'll be a big question mark, yeah. uh, no doubt about it. All right, uh, we got to do some balling and falling before we get out of here on a Monday. I'm going to go back to the XFL. Mm-hmm. We talked about it earlier in the show, and it was fun. I, I think there's a fun nature to this, and there's a lot of different subjects on the X, uh, XFL to talk about. I said this to you in a break, and I wanted to bring this up, and it was – you know what? I, I I watched a little bit of it, not a ton, mm-hmm. but even in the coverage, I didn't feel like I was watching Vince McMahon's product. And I'm not hating on Vince McMahon. I'm just saying from I think that's the ball inside of this. I think this looked like a football product, didn't look like a wrestling product, mm-hmm. a scripted product. You never know what you're going to get with Vince McMahon. So I, I say that in a complimentary way that it almost felt like. He was kind of behind the scenes of this thing. Yeah. Where the WWE, he's so, bam, he's the guy, right? He's the face of that. And I think a little bit of uh, this was a smart move, whether it's Oliver Luck, whether it's McMahon. They let the TV networks do some of their magic. ESPN, mm-hmm. Fox can be very smart at the way they do telecasts and, and kind of take it to a different level and try new things. And it looks like they did a good job of communicating with those networks and the other ones to showcase their game, but not with Vince pushing all the buttons, if you get my perspective on it. I I do get what you're saying, absolutely. Yeah, and listen, like we always say all the time in our business, Brent, like we're kind of an alternative. Right now, the XFL, it feels like that new, fresh alternative, okay? Like whether it's like their social media, like where they're grilling everybody, whether it's the way like the rule changes, I mean – yeah, Vince, like, I think we both thought Vince was going to come in like it was going to be Vince's show. And it was going to have a lot of those pro wrestling elements. Well, it's not there. This is still the game of football. And in some cases, it's an upgraded game of f- football. You know, now obviously the talent is always going to remain king. But I think for an alternative, for, um, you know, the optimism, the, for the intrigue, I think XFL is there. I mean, I think week two numbers are going to be very telling. But I think it's I think it's like accelerating, man. I, I, I think I think it's peaking. I think we're we're doing good here. All right, uh, yeah. go ahead, balling. What you got? So balling, Dominic Reyes, man. Um, I get that he lost the fight, but in my eyes, he's balling a little bit. And obviously, the biggest controversy fought John Jones on Saturday. Yeah, exactly, night. close Coming, match, right? Very close match. And the biggest controversy now, people are saying, is that John Jones, in fact, lost that match. And if you go back to my breakdown Friday, it played out exactly how I I called it was going to play out. To an extent with Dominic Reyes, though, really shocking me. Because Dominic Reyes, give him credit. Dude came out right away the first couple rounds and tried to knock out John Jones. And it's one thing if you're him to say that, but it's another thing to actually back it up and be like, you know what? I'm not afraid of John Jones' unorthodox technique. I'm just going to go at him, try to score the knockout. He doesn't. It goes to rounds three, four, and five. And let's be honest, those are the championship rounds. That's when your heart can start pumping battery acid a little bit, and you can get a little tired. Um, I think round three might have been a toss-up. You could kind of argue it was for Reyes, 
But at the end of the day, and this is to me where John Jones won the fight, it was John Jones rounds four and five. You know, those last championship rounds that make the, you know, the last ever lasting image in your mind, it was all John Jones pushing Dominic Reyes back. And that's where I felt like John Jones won the fight. At the end of the day, whether you like it or not, in my opinion, to, to, to be able to become the champion, you have to outright beat the champion. And while the, you know, the, the score was close and while you could say that Reyes outstruck John Jones, I don't think he beat John Jones. Therefore, I thought the right call was made uh, in John Jones winning. That's good because, I, like I said, I had somebody say, I wonder what Austin's opinion yeah. is on that because there are some people who thought Reyes yeah. maybe oh, got and, it. And rightfully so. If you go back to the numbers of strikes, I think Reyes landed more strikes and everything. But once again, man, those, those last two rounds, those championship rounds, they're all John Jones. And the ground game holds value, right? The ground takedowns. game does hold value. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, what you got for Fallen? Fallen. Uh, you got the audio real quick. Kuz, just play a little set. So Fallen is actually the judges of this UFC event here. Because if you go back to the judges here, Dominic Reyes, one judge scored him losing uh, every round except one round here. Check out what Joe Rogan had to say about these judges, though. We're, we're looking at a judge who's not, literally not, even not watching, watching the fight, fight at all. It's insane. The judges just don't even watch. They're looking down at the floor. Insane. All right. That's all we need, Kuz. So to set the scene really quick. They weren't watching the fight? They, they fought in Houston. And they, they had to use the boxing commission as opposed to like mixed martial arts commission. So they had a bunch of boxing judges ref, or I'm, I'm sorry, judge these MMA fights. And this is the first I've ever heard of it, but Joe Rogan was calling the guy out saying he wasn't paying attention to the fight. And if you go back to some of the scorecards, Brent, they're absolutely ludicrous. Like these scores were all over the place. We're talking split decisions. We're talking 49, 47s for no reason. And listen, I get that you use the box commission because you had to do that because it's in Houston, it's in Texas. But, dude, you got guys that are literally fighting for their lives out there, and you're going to screw them over on some decisions like that? Like, it's shady stuff. Well, when you fight in March, are you getting the boxing commission? Or I know, getting... man. I'm fighting in Dallas, right? So, hey, it's not going to the judges. Let's just say that much. <laughs> I like that. All right. Uh, my following real quick. Did you see this? This is in the New York Post. We're going to talk about it a little bit more tomorrow. MLB is considering in the next few years going from five to seven teams in the postseason. But this is where it gets crazy. Yeah. They might have the team with the best record pick their opponent in like hey. a selection show. Brent, get a hold of your sport right now. It's so, out of control. So last year, the Astros would have had a bye. The Yankees, with the second best record, would have the choice to pick from the Rays, Indians, and Red Sox. Boston had the worst record of that group. So would they have picked the Red Sox as a rival hey. or somebody else? Get a hold of your sport, please. I don't with With, with robotic umpires. What, what's Real Manfred man, doing to the sport? Reel them in, Brent. Get off my lawn, MLB. Reel them in, Brent. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.